Hello everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Abnormal Mapping. This is episode 103. I am not joined by M this week. Uh, I am joined by Austin Walker. Hey, how you doing? Hey, we've both played too much Final Fantasy VII Remake <laughs> too quickly, and now yes. we have to talk into microphones about it. <laughs> Or else our head will explode. We need to. I need to get it out. I need to take my brain out. I can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's basically the deal here. Uh, we don't normally do new episodes about new games on this podcast, uh, but we are because I I played this game. I knew I had to talk about it. Uh, it was very nice of Austin to be on this one. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, this is you're doing me a service because I've needed to talk about this game for a week and a half, and there's only like two people I know who've beaten it, and so and you're one of them. Yes. So, and oh. I beat it like eight hours ago. Okay, so this is super fresh for you. Yes. Yes. I okay. I finished it this morning. I was, thought I would finish it last night, but the game goes on for a while. <laughs> it sure does, doesn't it? It really, truly does. It's not Death Stranding levels of I thought the game was wrapping up when it was like two in the morning and then didn't finish it till eight because I decided to write right, it out. Right. But uh, this time I went to bed like a smart person. That's that's yes, good one. Um. Are we doing thing, other things we're playing right now, or are we just jumping into it? I mean, what? Are, I mean, sure. What are you playing right now? I want to shout out. I want to shout out a thing. I'm shouting okay. out a thing yes. because I think this audience specifically is poised to maybe think it's interesting, <laughs> which is a game called Horizons Gate on Steam. Um, this is. I'm going to link you to it, oh, uh, you. or you can you can look it up. I've got you it. Have a computer. I just got it. Yes. Um, this is by the developer Rad Codex, who has been releasing like. JRPG, tactical RPG, Japanese tactical RPG style, you know, SRPGs uh, for, for years now. And I've been ignoring them because they look like, they always looked visually a lot like Stardew Valley, but tactics. Um, and then I saw a thread by Robert Yang. It was a tweet by Robert Yang and then a, a thread by Darius Kazemi that was like, this is my Stardew Valley. This is my Animal Crossing. Um, and it is an open world tactical rpg pirate game with visuals that look a lot like that style of sprite based like stardew valley stuff uh, a ton of different like character classes uh, all sorts of like trading systems um all sorts of interesting tactical things uh, it, it really has been a salve after beating something as extremely triple a and yes. and and you know sheer shine polish as final fantasy 7 remake to play something that was made by i believe a single person who was like yeah uh here are the here are the seven races in my game uh there are people who don't have any faces and they can sense things around them there are people with big ugly fish heads and everyone hates them there are people with spikes coming out of their back and they're <laughs> cool they're humans and it's like yeah good yes give me this Give me this, like, extremely... It's not outsider art by any means, but it is very much what what happens when someone who grew up on Final Fantasy Tactics and Morrowind decides, I'm going to make an open-world RPG, and then does it, uh, and also has to be a sprite-based tactics game. <laughs> um, so that's... I just wanted to shout that out, because it has been, like... It's been, it's been like, balancing my humors. 
You know yeah, what I mean? I do, I do. I feel like saying it's Final Fantasy Tactics Cross Morrowind is for a very small number of people listening, yeah, I, but yes. those people are popping off so hard. <laughs> um, and it's not Morrowind. Like, it's not, I don't know that the writing is that good, but okay, here's like an example of like what this game is. is at any point, you can hit the L, the L key on your keyboard to bring up a, a, a like an, um, a magnifying glass. And basically everything in the world has an encyclopedia description. So like, barrels of oil or a big rope on a ship or a lantern or different types of weapons and then you get that description right and then you could have a contract with a researcher in the world who buys all of your encyclopedic descriptions yo for money uh and like that's how i've made most of my money so far like likewise you can you can have a contract with like um with a uh a map maker um uh and and sell all of your map data to them uh there's three kingdoms that you can kind of decide which side you want to you want to work with and slow and you can like this is the sort of game where like, you go to a port maybe there's a quest at the port like killing the cult that's inside of the the nearby mine um but also at that port you can you know buy food to keep the morale on your ship up because you have like crew members and all the crew members are characters that you can do land missions with or not land missions you can land with you know and and do quests and explore and stuff and then two the other thing you can do is invest in the local trade port to try to make it so that they have better stuff to buy but also to make it so they sway towards the kingdom you've decided to pledge your allegiance to it's like one of these you know it's like it's like i pitch it to janine hawkins a friend of mine a member another cast member of friends at the table uh, as like this is mountain blade for anime this is jrpg <laughs> mountain blade like it's that style of world sim on top of being all that other shit um and so just one of the again horizons horizons gate uh 109 reviews on steam i would love for that number to be double it you know what i mean yeah. it's just so because we're about to talk about the biggest game one of the biggest games of the year that is a remake of one of the biggest games of our lives <laughs> yeah just like the most announces its presence w- event game yes um, yes this seems cool. I added it to my wish list while you were talking. So <laughs> good. Yes, good. That's also, I want to say it's like I want to also say it was like twenty bucks or something like that. Like it's maybe even less than that. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, twenty bucks is right. Um, and so versus again sixty U.S. dollars for Final Fantasy VII remake is, you know, yeah, try to share the love. Uh, anyway, that's what I've been playing besides Final Fantasy. I've also been playing Final Fantasy twelve, but I'm right in the middle of it, and I don't want to talk about it until I'm done. <laughs> you know, very fair enough. So, um, yeah, I've not been playing anything other than stuff for cast because I've spent the last um, right. five days in a Final Fantasy coma and been preparing for two different podcasts at the moment. So it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah with that it's time to like talk about the video game uh before before we get into it for real just want to say to anyone listening i'm assuming there's going to be some new people who <laughs> saw this because uh we don't record about new like big spoiler casts about new games very topical ever we don't do that uh so if you're new we're gonna spoil the whole thing once i cut to a music break that is it all bets are off uh we'll be spoiling presumably uh final yeah. fantasy 7 remake and the original I think we have to. Yes. Right? But I'm thinking, like, possible. I'll try my best to not talk about Crisis Core. Um, but there are sure. parts of... That helps. I, don't, I haven't played that game. Um, but I may ask questions that you yes. could answer informed by Crisis Core. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But okay. uh, there are other games that I'll bring up that I probably won't spoil. Like, probably not going to spoil Kingdom Hearts. I haven't finished those games. Okay, um, yes. And nor will I i will also not spoil kingdom hearts you know i could I know but i could. will not um 
uh, or like you know other Final Fantasy games like uh, 13 informs a lot of the stuff in this game design wise uh, but so just 7 and 7 remake and you'll probably be good and maybe some of the ancillary spin-off stuff I will probably ask you questions about 13 mechanically but not narratively or whatever you will definitely if ask, that's okay you will you will ask okay. me narratively okay <laughs> <laughs> and you'll say nope I'm not answering um, okay. I'll, I'll answer after this <laughs> okay sounds good uh, well, with that, I guess I'll cut to music and uh, we'll do this podcast. Final Fantasy VII Remake is a 2020 game from Square Enix, um, released April 10th, 2020, directed by Tetsuya Nomura, uh, produced by Katase, written by uh, Nojima. Uh, it is a remake of the 1997 Final Fantasy VII game for the PlayStation 1, if you didn't know. Oh. Um, I mean, you know, that's maybe not true, um, but it is present. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, the, yeah, it's something. something. It's something. Uh, it is. It's yep. Something. <laughs> it's a remake. It's something. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. I mean, music breaks happen. We can. We can just say. Uh, true. True. But um, I, I still, I still stand by the thing that I guessed at during that first waypoint um episode about about it, where I said I think that remake is as a title not a description of the game that it's like the way that you say like kingdom hearts recode i know recoded is literally like a remake of coded or whatever but you know what i mean that like it's a verb that like it's this isn't final fantasy 7 remake this is final fantasy 7 remake 
Yes. Like, because it's about remaking the world. That is what it is about. That is the, that is the trick they got us. Uh, I think uh, a few a few weeks ago, well, I don't exactly remember when, but at some point leading up to this game, I was like, uh, putting, calling the shot right now, the trilogy will be called Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Final Fantasy VII Reunion, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, oh, that's really good. <laughs> uh, and then in the replies, I said, it'll just be a retelling of the game. It won't be a rebuild thing. So uh, well. <laughs> called one shot, missed another. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes, right? Uh, yeah. Um. But before we get into this game, and I know you mentioned this on Waypoint Radio, but in case people didn't... Uh, Different audiences, yeah. yeah. didn't listen. Uh, what's your history with Final Fantasy VII? Um, I played it and loved it when it first came out in uh, in, in the 90s. This was like my favorite thing. Um, I'd already played um, previous Final Fantasy games, uh, not to completion. I don't think I'd even beaten six by the time I played seven. I went back to beat six after falling in love with seven. Uh, but it was it's the, it's like the stupid stereotypical, like... Hey, I spent the whole summer grinding yes. all my materia up and da 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 um, And then I had kind of an on-again, off-again, like, love of the game until I would say the end of my... I think like the first year out of college was when I tried to replay it again, which would have been like 2007, 2008. Um, and you have to remember 2007, 2008 is Bioshock era. Like, oh, don't I know it. Ponderous, brainy sphere games criticism era. Um, and so for me, I went into it with a certain mode of looking for something, which was like ludo narrative cohesion, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and I, this is a genuine thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that I was wrong about how I felt about the game. I'm, I was honest about how I felt about it, which was I played that game and I went, none of these characters exist except in the dialogue. Yes. That like mechanically speaking, they are materia slots and limit breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and limit breaks are obviously very cool, and I still like elements of the story. But I'd cooled on elements of the story because I think I was in that place. And then this happened again when I tried to play it in the early 2010s, where I was like very much that that young critic who was like, I want games to be literary, right? Um, mm-hmm. I know you you and M talked about the weight of the literary game and the burden of games that attempt to do that and the the rareness oh, yes. that they that they arrive in your Disco Elysium episode. But that was like I was coming to it demanding something that demanding what I thought had been there, finding that it hadn't been there. Um, because I was 13 or whatever, <laughs> or 12 when the original came out, um, and 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 instead finding something else, and that thing not not jiving with me particularly well. Um, and specifically, the the big complaint for me was like, I want these characters to play differently. I want to feel. I want to embody these characters in a way that makes them feel different. Have you seen Far Cry? In Far Cry, the the dude wraps his arm in gauze because he got hurt, and like I'm never doing that in in Final Fantasy VII or. In, at the time, like it, for real for me, it was like when I think about something like the Elder Scrolls games, when I thought specifically about Morrowind and Oblivion, there was such a sense of difference between one character that I build that I had and another character, especially in those pre-Skyrim Elder Scrolls games, where like the magic build is a different game than the snipey, sneaky build. Um, and that was just where my brain was at the time. And so the idea that like Vincent didn't play substantially different moment to moment than mm-hmm. than Cloud unless I ex- like went in and just built them differently with different materia sets. Basically, that that's how I was playing the game, especially by the end game where I'm like basically just comboing off of stuff and like I there there happened to be happened to be you know polygons moving, but basically what I'm doing is mimicking really powerful <laughs> spell combos over and over. Um, that really like pushed me away from from the game and dulled my appreciation for 
the setting and for the story that I had loved so much when I was younger. Um, and it, it, I'll say, like, what also happened is I just never engaged with the um, the compilation uh, uh, stuff. Like, I watched half of Advent Children, um, and I was like extremely like I think I'm 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 a little bit older than you, about M's age, and I was extremely like on my high horse over it by then. Um, and that sucks because now I've only I haven't suffered enough. I, I don't know <laughs> there are characters in this game who I don't know who I know are from some short story or whatever. Um, and yes. I wish I knew who they were, but I I was like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm over here, you know, dealing with real art games, and by that I mean Braid. And <laughs> boy, what a fuck oh. up that was. I never really loved Braid like that, but that was the type of person I think I had become in a bad way around that that era. Yeah, two thousand eight was a time for video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, it was not. It was not good. That was when um, I was getting in, like. Uh... Until I think I think the only JRPG I played until I played Final Fantasy fourteen. I guess there were technically three, but only two I actually touched. Played like a Digimon game on the DS. I played Lost Odyssey over a period of two years. Oof. Uh, um, like I played it, and then every so often I would just load it up and be grinding my um. I guess they were rings in that game that you got for skills. That uh, sounds right. Uh, Lost Odyssey rules, but I, I had never played a JRPG before, and it was my first one, which is probably not the best choice, but. You know? yeah. And then I had watched yeah. the Endurance run for uh, Persona 4. Sure, sure. I mean, that's and the that- thing, right? That's Actually, now that you say this, that brings me in, which is when I st- tried to replay Final Fantasy VII after college, it was during a playthrough of two other things with, with mm-hmm. my roommates at the time. One was the uh, was Persona 3, um, uh, and then one was um, uh, Fire Emblem, what are the two, what are the uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, um, both of which are overflowing with character interactions and every character, like, it, it, those games kick ass, like, I want to say, right, like, straight up, I love those games, but also were dense with content in a way that that often oh, was there for, and, yes. and that signaled that, like, that is what a good game, that is what a good JRPG looks like. And then Persona 3 was like, these are real, these are real themes. This is modern day. This is, this is serious <laughs> stuff. They're, they summon, they summon demons by pointing fake guns at their heads. That's serious. Um, so like, not to dunk on my old self too much, but that is very much where my head was at at the time. And, and actually contextualizes why I would have bounced off of 7 in mm-hmm. that era. But yeah. also, it was just ascendant. It was just ascendant, right? And so the the oppositional position at the time was fuck Square Square Enix, right? Like, oh, absolutely. It yes. was. It was. Look, how can you? Why are we wasting time talking about Square Enix when Devil Summoner exists? When when Digital Devil Saga exists? You know what I mean? So the time of um, everyone, let's go play Resonance of Fate. Yes, a hundred percent. I bought Resonance of Fate two or three times. Um, <laughs> yeah. I d- yeah. never got more than five hours into it because I'm trash at it, and because I don't know that it does a good job of explaining anything it does. Oh, it definitely but, does. I can't. Yes. I was like, I look at it and I go, man, these guns would be really cool if I understood them, but I can't get from not understanding them to the point where I do understand them. There's no Neo Matrix put it in my head button, so I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's my history. And so coming back, but, but I will say, being uh, in the abnormal mapping community, 
uh, has forced me to relitigate internally my own feelings about Final Fantasy VII yes. over the last year and this lead up to the remake. Um, I mean, there is video footage of me not being excited when this was announced <laughs> um, because I happened to be doing the Giant Bomb E3 stream uh, of when this was announced. Um, to be fair, I was probably the most excited of anyone in that room and no one <laughs> was excited. So, um, so you know, there's context matters. Uh, but, but in the last year of like reevaluating it, I'm in the middle of rewatching a or, or watching a let's play of the entire thing, mm-hmm. reminding myself of what I loved. Like I, it, it meant so much to me for a long, long time. It's just that then there was this other part of my life in which it meant nothing to me. Yeah. Um. And so that's where I was coming back into it. Um. You were a big fan. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> the thing I was saying is that I, I played those JRPGs, and I'd also like I think I watched uh yeah I watched Advent Children when uh Ryan did that tang on it. <laughs> Oh, sure. completely out of context yeah. Yeah. um and so i'd seen advent children but kind of forgotten it and i'd know you know i need from through context and discussion what final fantasy 7 was about i knew about Aerith dying and how that's yeah. so bad and then um advent children's all about these huge ridiculous cgi fights and throwing people up in the air and that that is what final fantasy 7 was to me and i played it for right. the first time in 2014 like right after we started this podcast uh, and discovering what it like actually was which is nothing to do with any of that uh was one of my like best uh experiences with video games i remember it very fondly i uh just didn't know anything about the like part where it's about identity and the stuff with cloud and zach and putting cloud back together again uh with with tifa like these scenes were like overwhelming the first time i'd seen them because i'd played some jrpgs but the specter of like because i thought i did understand it through osmosis realizing that i didn't at all was very exciting uh and in a way the like knowledge of knowledge of final fantasy 7 as a cultural object ended up working in its favor because the reputation is so disconnected from what it actually is it's a very um it's, it's not as like a badass edgelord game about a soldier who's killing everyone and is dark and right. fighting sephiroth that uh, is three hours of this game right for re- or for final fantasy 7 but that is that is i mean i think that this game has or i think that i keep saying this game now i need to be very clear yes. i think that the original has i think cultural osmosis has failed it um, I think that there are, there are objects for which the cultural osmosis can get you close enough to where you have a loose understanding to have a conversation around what the work is. Um, um, I think you can explain – I think people who know about who Fredo is in Godfather basically can have a conversation in which they deploy the phrase like – you know, uh, uh, this person is going to get got like Fredo and understand what that means. Whereas I don't know that anyone really, un- I don't know that a lot of folks understood. I think there's a lot, of, I think everything up until Aerith <laughs> dying, people remember or can understand through the osmosis. And then after that, it's a blur, which is a shame because that's some of the best stuff in Final Fantasy VII yes. is everything after that. Because there's a lot after that. And that just kind of gets hand-waved and it's like, and then uh, there's some stuff where stuff happens, and then there's a big fight with Sephiroth at the end. The end. He's shirtless. It's like, yes, yeah, he's yeah. shirtless. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Meteor. Meteor. And that's it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, like, Square are, are, like, not blameless in this. Advent Children plays no. into that. Like, So it's a weird thing where it's partially an audience of mostly... Like, mostly people played it when they were young. It is an audience yeah. of... A lot of teen boys playing the game and then growing up and changing, but their vision of the game is still the lens they saw it through uh, when they were kids. And that's obviously not everyone, not me, but 
to generalize, that is a big trend. And then Square ends up playing into that in their like future products, cementing that as like truth. Um, and so coming into Remake, I was like very anxious because it was drawing all its aesthetic cues from Advent Children. And then right. I ended up, re I replayed the game this year because I wanted to be familiar with it. Uh, that ended up being a very wise decision. <laughs> Cause sure. Because I, I was... Even though I'd only played it five years ago and I liked it a lot, um, I still played it again. I was like, what the hell are the Cetra again? What's going on here? Yeah, uh, it's wild that within the first two hours of this game, I had to pause to remind myself what reunion theory was. Right. Uh, but you have to, because it happens within the first two hours of this game. Yep. Um, and so revisiting Final Fantasy VII this year, I was not as hot on it as I was like first time because I've played more RPGs and more importantly, sure. I've watched more anime and um, which yeah. is like, you know, the, the ending of final fantasy seven and the themes it's pulling from are not as unique when you've, you know, watched Gundam, watched Eva, watched, you know, shown and show. I hadn't thought of that, but that, that is a hundred percent. The thing that changed one of the big things that changed between me playing that game as a 12 or 13 year old and then playing it again as a 20 year old or 22 or 23 year old is like, anime hit north america yes. in a big way then i went to college and was, and was like part of an anime club where people you know had bootlegs and everyone watched stuff and torrents took off and yeah you're totally right like all of the stuff that seemed novel now felt like knockoff you know and, and that's like true of a lot of that anime itself right that's like when you yes, i watched yes. either either first and then i watched gundam and then i watched loads of things I'm like oh these things i thought were special are oh, they still special but they're part of a wider genre that i am getting context to right uh, right novelty is not the thing that makes them function right yes. novelty is 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 everything i feel like as a young person novelty was everything to me because everything was still so novel you know and so <laughs> yes. um or 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 everything at the edges was still so novel whereas if i turned on tv and put on you know whatever cbs all of those shows seemed the same to me every cop procedural seemed the same when in fact that is also not even true it just was those things were were i didn't have the tool set to to differentiate between homicide life on the streets and nypd blue you know um or eventually <laughs> the wire obviously um but yeah, anyway, anime, it, anime. it changes us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Um, and after playing all the like compilation games this year, which I did for for some reason, in fact, the only thing I didn't uh, read like read or watch, I did um, I did all the games. I watched a let's play of the Japanese exclusive Before Crisis. Um, oh jeez, yeah, I, I didn't even did... I didn't even know that was a. Uh, I guess yeah, that that never came out here in any way right nope. it's where they established the wider cells of avalanche so wait uh, really that's not in the original at all no that's not in the original and huh. and in fact in that in before crisis um not only of is avalanche is like barrett's avalanche not part of the wider cells but they are like com it's a weird game it's all about the turks stopping avalanche from destroying the world which they d almost did like and the night before final fantasy 7 happened the compilation's dumb um, wait, 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 yes. wait 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 yes so wait so in yeah. before crisis avalanche big avalanche yes is more aggressive Yes. Then Barrett Avalanche. They're more aggressive, and specifically, they're trying to like do this incredible summon that will destroy the world and thus end all humanity, thus saving the planet. And the Turks like, no, <laughs> uh, and so they save the day. But then they all oh. get like fake murdered the night before Final Fantasy VII happens. And okay, because there's a whole bunch of Turks in that game that aren't in Seven, <laughs> and then they all get killed oh. on someone like, um. 
big conspiracy that's about Rufus. Oh, by the way, the Turks have Rufus in their basement for five years? The compilation's wild. That's okay. That's very weird. Anyway, enough what, of that. What's he doing down there? Uh, <laughs> he was working with Avalanche to create, like, he was, like, funding them because he wanted Rufus to- Rufus was? Yeah, because he wanted to, them to assassinate President Shimmer so he could So become, he could take over. Okay, sure. But okay. then his dad's like, hey, Turks, look him in the basement so he understands some things. He'll be, he'll be ready one day. He's ruthless enough, but he's, he shouldn't right. be aiming it at me. <laughs> um, right, right. Um, but so that's like already a huge, huge distinction though, because I feel like the, 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 um, the vibe I got from remake was that they were positioning avalanche, big avalanche, which I'm going to call big avalanche, big avalanche. Uh, as less radical than Barrett's. It, well, so. uh, yes. In fact, the like distinction between those two things is like in my top three most interesting things about the game and it gets it's, maybe three lines <laughs> i wish it was i want i want so much more of that in the next game so badly um and i think it's a good i think it's a good change obviously yes. that they let barrett drop the asteroid be the person who wants to drop the asteroid <laughs> instead of yeah uh-huh the, uh, the when barrett is good in this game barrett is good in this game when barrett is bad in this game uh-oh <laughs> absolutely but yeah, the only thing I didn't get to in the compilation was some Turk side story light novel that ends up being like the premise for a bunch of side quests. It's where uh, Kyrie and uh, the Angel of the Slums and stuff are introduced, I'm told. Yeah, also, okay. Leslie. I don't Leslie, know. The, the, the person who works for Don Corneo. Don Corneo, right? yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't read that one, um, but they pulled from everything is the thing. And it's right. weird how widely they spanned on that. Um, but yeah, so we, we come into Seven, we played it. And I was terrified because so much of everything that Square had done to touch Final Fantasy VII in, in the years has been really bad. I think my favorite one is Dirge of Cerberus, so that should tell you how... Uh, how yeah, exactly. Um, and then That's I ended bad. up yeah. mostly liking this game. Yeah. This game's all right. Thought, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> 30 um, minutes in, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. They did it. They made an okay game. They made a game that I didn't want to stop playing. Um, I think like the moment to moment stuff is really strong. And then and then they, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I ended up really high on it. Um, I, I think hmm, I ended up really high on it is probably the truth. But it mm -hmm. also elides a lot of frustrations yes. that have nothing to do with narrative changes or that occasionally have something to do with narrative changes, but actually have to do with pacing. I think this game is really rough, like Ooh. stop, start, start and stop. Do you know what I mean? I actually don't mind it when it's in its slow mode or when it's in its breakneck mode, but I think it's terrible at knowing when to switch between those two, especially in the later half. And then, and then I'm also just not sure it actually works for new players. I, I have to talk to people who I've talked to a few people who've only played this game, who didn't play the original, who uh, uh, had no idea what was going on in the final chapter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, and yet they do know now who the Cetra are somehow. And I feel like Square made a, like a, a tactical error in terms of which world building and lore to front load. I think you could have gotten out of this game without saying the word Cetra once, but you shouldn't have gotten out of this game without explaining what a Sephiroth is, or, or ha basically having the calm Nibelheim flashback sequence. Like, not, mm. not being clear about what the relationship is between Sephiroth and Cloud, and Tifa for that matter, feels like a whiff, like a huge whiff. Because if you finish this game I don't. I asked my one friend who was Ben at, at Giant Palm. Like, I'm like, okay, what do you tell me? Everything you know about Sephiroth? And he's like, there's nothing. He couldn't tell me anything about Sephiroth. He didn't. Right. He's a big sword. You know. 
Like, they, he talked to Cloud at the end of the world or whatever. That's it. Yep. Yeah, he did do he that. He wants to change fate, question mark? Yes. Also, this Sephiroth's motivations are ra- like radically different from original Sephiroth's motivations because, question mark, I think it's the Sephiroth who's already like gone through the plot Me so too. far. Me and too. Me too. Um, this isn't like a hundred percent bet, but I'm I'm willing to say it's about fifty fifty that they're gonna get to Northern Caves and that this Sephiroth is gonna fight the real Sephiroth that's there, and, and it's gonna be him. a Sephiroth on Se- yeah yes, yeah. And stab Sephiroth. Maybe you'll even get to do it. I'm convinced you're gonna start the next game with. I know we're like all over the place because yeah, of I know. chaos energy. Chaos. Uh, welcome to me being on a podcast. Throw the it's notes good. out. We're going wherever the the world takes us. Um, uh, I I'm convinced the next game is going to start with an extended version of the Nibelheim flashback. Absolutely. Uh, in which in which Sephiroth is in your party or is even playable, um, and then you'll become him again to fight Sephiroth. You're right. You'll get to North Crater. That's it. That's a hundred percent the case. Um, God. But yeah, that is my read. That is my read. Is that that is a different Sephiroth. That is a time traveling, universe hopping Sephiroth. And yeah, and like or I mean- or sorry, or is Genova? Like I don't know. Is is Sephiroth Sephiroth? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Sephiroth is not Genova. Genova, like, okay, this is in the original Seven as well, and it's also very confusing. But like, okay. the Sephiroth clones activate when they combine with Genova cells, right. and the idea and that Sephiroth and Genova have different wills at that point is confusing because they're kind of merged, but kind of not. But they kind of well, the whole thing was that is actually that Sephiroth. Let me see if I remember this right. <laughs> yeah. Is that the fact that Sephiroth exists as Sephiroth? Yes. indicates that the reunion hasn't happened or isn't isn't pulling his will such that it's just another part of Genova that mm-hmm. he does have autonomy to some degree at least which is also true about any of the anyone else inside of the project s stuff that ends up being a person right oh yeah the project s stuff oh man these games are wild <laughs> uh, but as you can uh, expect from like the way this conversation has gone and how confusing uh. the questions are this is Absolutely a game directed by the person who made a game called Kingdom Hearts 3, where if you had just played Kingdom Hearts 2, you are fucked. <laughs> like, just nothing. There's no, there's nothing to hold on to. Uh, expectation that you know everything is fully there. It, it's like, you, I assume you've read this. You know, in the um, original Metal Gear Solid 2 design document, there's a bit where Kojima says, Raiden should be for new players, and people should be able to play this bit without understanding the plot of MGS1. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, what are you talking what are you about? talking about? That's not, and it's not that game. That is not that game at <laughs> it's all. It's not the game. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely that kind of situation. Uh, where do you want to start now that we're actually in it? Because Chaos Energy... Um... Good question. Um, I think for me... It, it is the most interesting thing just like a general like here is what the story of this game is yeah i guess we should probably summarize it because it's, it's gonna come out early and there's gonna be like a few people listening uh who haven't played the game yeah uh so the plot of the game uh, such that it is even i guess people won't have played final fantasy 7 either but it follows basically the same structure uh, of the first five hours of final fantasy 7 you are cloud you are a soldier an ex-soldier who is an working ex-soldier. with avalanche Soldier is a special, it's like a super soldier program, all caps. Uh, Shinra has a super soldier program that you learn a bit of detail about in this game. Yes. Um, Cloud's become a mercenary and Uh, was hired by Avalanche. Was hired by Avalanche, uh, who are a world-spanning question mark. It doesn't really get into their, like, cell structure, but a terrorist organization uh, that exists to fight uh, Shinra's 
mining of Mako energy. I want to say Mako, but they said Mako, Mako too so much bad. that it's I like, know. oh, it's Mako. It's Mako. Um, it is, which sucks, but here we go. It's not, it doesn't suck. It's the Japanese. It was always Mako. It was always Mako. We just didn't know better. It was like when I learned he was called Cypher in Final Fantasy VIII. Like, no, he's always been Cypher oh, to me. Cypher, yeah. I always said, C- oh, Cypher. Oh, here's one real quick. Yes. Okay. Is Aerith's name just a play on the word Earth? Um, I would. Assume, is it Cloud so. and Earth? Is that the thing? Is it Scott? Is it, you know what I mean? Is that the bit? I guess that's the bit. They did it twice. They did it with these two. They did it with Titus and Yuna. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. They can't stop. They can't stop. They can't stop. Also, we all know that Barrett was originally Bullet. Uh, so there's that Mm-mm-mm. one also. Not allowed. <laughs> Not allowed. Uh, go to your room, <laughs> Square. Uh, Barrett is a portmanteau of Bullet and Freedom. Uh, <laughs> um, I've always said this. Yeah. Uh, but they are uh, committing bombing campaigns against these uh, reactors, uh, these macro reactors, to blow them up uh, around the city of Midgar, which is a city that Shinra, this company that is the de facto state, uh, because they have all the power here. Um, and there's also no other state structure. Like there, <laughs> without Shinra, this would be a libertarian wasteland. Apparently, apparently, um, right? Like I, I, there is a mayor you meet who has lost his power. I love the mayor in this game. Yes. Uh, what a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> uh, but you're right. There's no... Um, that's not true. There, there, is, there is no central state, but there are mechanisms of local organization. So there are yes. like... There are like like um, city wa- like watchmen, basically, or like the guard, like not the guard, but like a like a local militia who protects people from monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you're right that there isn't, and there are clearly people who uh, who emerge as local leadership who have de facto authority, like like um, Marl, is that her name? Yes. Uh, who like clearly rise to a position of leadership when push comes to shove. Um, and and it's clear that there are some other types of organizational stuff happening in the in the slums, like um, the um, the how many monsters have you killed board that shows up in sector seven. Someone has to organize that, right? Like there theoretically yes. has to be someone who decided we're taking this part of the public space to create a bounty board and blah 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 blah. We don't get access to what that part of the story is. So I was um, going through that that chapter and seeing the like way this was all designed and how much was all focused around like because of the gameplay was focused around Cloud, you've got to get a muck so you can get yeah. jobs and this is how you make a name for yourself. And <laughs> it basically said that there's either like uh there's either Shinra, which is this all encompassing company and structure, uh, or there's like the slums, which have formed into like ANCAP communes. Yes. Um yep. And that that's that's kind of it until you get to Avalanche and this and then Wutai, which is never mentioned or never shown, but it mentions a lot. And um, so there's like how a do co- you how do you feel about this? As as because one of the things I always come back to when you take fiction like this and you end up creating a single corporation, which itself is the state, mm-hmm. is the way in which it opens up the text. All texts are are, are kind of um, you know uh, polysemous in terms of meaning, but it really opens it up to a, a conservative read in which. I think you can look at um, uh, the Hunger Games stuff like this is yeah. like a really great example where the right can look at this and go, aha, look at the power of the state. This is this is centralized control. This is and this is this is a communist state in in capitalist dressing. This isn't real capitalism. Um, do you think this game ends up like stumbling in that direction because of the ubiquity of Shinra specifically? Uh, I think it could do. I think. 
what it depends I, I can't answer that until part two because i think it depends entirely on how they portray wutai yeah as an actual nation because they spend so much time in this game building up this idea of a conflict between uh wutai and shimra who they had a war with um, yeah and like even though like shimra's method of control is like a corporate power structure they invest a lot in like a national identity in opposition to wutai and that's how they're like maintaining their control and i think by seeing what like the like other system in the world is we can get a sense of that but i yeah. I, I don't have like faith in them i don't think this yeah, is yeah, like yeah, a yeah. totally totally uh, it just it's something that's always it's something that's always kind of bugged me in the back of my head because of the d- degree to which especially with this game they're willing to leverage the sorts of language that come from revolutionary left spaces yes. um in opposition to shinra and i'm i'm also not i'm not coming down hard and saying this is my read or anything like that but i do think that the the openness of it is is something that like it would be so easy to imagine a world or version of this game that also had a second like subsidiary companies that were competing with each other and still fucking people over but instead we just like if the potion company had been different if the company that built the cars that you see here and there were different um you would end up feeling a little bit more like here is a hyper competitive capitalist society in which shinra has has an incredible monopoly um of, of not just uh of the market but also of power uh, and, and political authority but instead you kind of have this thing that's like it's just the state, right? It's it's just the state that's nationalized everything. Yes. Um, and and so yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yes. Uh, Wu Tai. So- actually, like, this is an early thing that comes up, right? Is after you do the first bombing run, yes. one of the things that that happens is uh, the first major change of the of the story. Also, is that you go to blow up this Mako reactor, and uh, the and you do you do it the right Jesse's bomb goes off. It destroys. <laughs> three or four pipes apparently <laughs> that are irreplaceable and will shut down this reactor for some extended period of time. But uh, is it Heidegger who's watching on or is it President Shinra? Is it both it's it's both of them. Um, okay. Heidegger like walks in with his touch phone and, <laughs> right. uh, then... and says, activate plan B, I guess. We really yeah. wanted them to do a better job of blowing our shit up. Oh, well, send in the drones. Yes, uh, and they do their false flag thing, which was the like part of the discourse for this game. It was in the demo, and yes. blow up the reactor, uh, and then it creates a huge like huge chaos, uh, and um, everyone gets back to to base to sector seven, and then there's a small. Um, bit with jesse's parents as they expand that stuff right well this is where they're building out this wutai stuff to some degree right because they're immediately saying avalanche is working with wutai this foreign nation and that's who's avalanche is a pawn or avalanche is really just an extension of they're really just a wutai terrorist cell etc the degree to which all this stuff hit me as like post 9-11 fiction in a really mm-hmm. strong way and i know it's a japanese game and not an american game but like the degree to which this is you know sci-fi america is <laughs> drumming up a reason to go to war with the country that has the remaining oil is pretty spot on <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty spot on it's 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 definitely doing that <laughs> it was it was probably around it was a little bit after the jesse stuff um, that I realized that I think I was playing a 9-11 truther game um, in which <laughs> 9-11 was an inside job. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> except, except some of that stuff, the, the, the plate stuff is already in the text. That yes. was not new, right? So they were really looking ahead. They were looking forward and understanding what terrible things America could do before the conspiracy theorists decided that uh, that that jet fuel could mate couldn't melt the rotting plate. Um, yeah, the key difference. So I just want to try to finish summarizing the whole game. Yes, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, so uh, the 
as you're doing these bombing campaigns and you, you, there's this excursion with Jesse, you blow up Reactor 5, the stuff with uh, Shimra and this Wutai false flag plot reaches a peak, uh, then Cloud falls down into Sector 5, into the slums, meets right. Aerith, who is a girl that is on the run from the Turks, which are Shimra's Black Ops crew, because she's an ancient who used to live on the planet and they need to capture her. Uh, Magic. A bunch of stuff happens, including she gets kidnapped, the wool market stuff where Cloud puts on a dress, not important to the plot summary, we'll get to it after this. Um, That all happens, they get back in retaliation for, uh, like, um, the bombings, which they already faked in the first place. Uh, Shinra are dropping the plate onto Sector 7, and the plate is Midgar's a stratified city with, like, a plate that's in, like, 50,000 feet in the air, or not 50,000, maybe 50,000, yeah. I don't know, I actually don't know, I don't know how high anything is beyond, like, 300 meters, <laughs> I lose all sense how of scale. How high up is Midgar plate? <laughs> yeah, 50,000 uh, like an airplane, so that's not, that it's can't not that be right. It can't be. This but, is 50 um, meters above ground. That can't be true. That can't be true. That's not true. That's definitely not true in this game, even if it was in the original. I guess that made more sense if you were to say there's no sky. If it's I was going to say, that up. would make a lot more sense if, if yeah, the fact that you, you in the original, there's everyone is like, I live in darkness. Like, I can't, I've never seen the sky. I've never seen anything but this black metal above us. And in here, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. There's the sky. I see there's it. Sky. I got I sunlight it. on me. It's <laughs> such a different vibe in the slums because of that. Uh, um, and so they dropped the plate on on sector seven, uh, causing massive damage, killing like thousands of people. Uh, and they, as part of this, they also happen to capture Aerith back. Uh, Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett decide to go rescue Aerith by storming Shimra HQ, uh, and they do. And in the original game, they get her out. Uh, at the end of it, Sephiroth shows up? Question mark and murders a bunch of people. And that's not explained in the moment, but is like in the scene directly after this game ends. Um, yeah. And big action scene. Everyone escapes. Motorcycle. Open, motorcycle. Uh, you go to the open world. Uh, in this game, that's not what happens because there's been dementors around in this game for some reason. <laughs> uh, it's true. Who kind of like show up at random points and eventually it starts to become clear that the points they show up at are when things are going slightly differently. Like the big tell is when wedge survives uh the the sector seven battle they just start fucking with him all the time yeah um and it is revealed that these are the whispers of fate they want to make final fantasy 7 happen because destiny has ordained it to be so and uh-huh. uh <laughs> and, <laughs> and if it doesn't happen first i'll post on reddit about it and then they'll <laughs> go into the game and make it happen god damn it uh hashtag no changes hashtag no changes <laughs> And uh, Sephiroth kills Barrett briefly, but the Dementors bring him back because he doesn't die there in Final Fantasy VII. And then during the motorcycle escape, uh, Sephiroth opens a door to the, like this like dimension of fate where the Arbiters of Fate are and invites Cloud and everyone to challenge Destiny, which they do. And uh, they, they, kill, they kill these Arbiters of Fate and free everyone from the like curse to be bound to the events of final fantasy 7 and that's where it ends but also he also goes so the key point okay. is he also yep. goes to like the edge of creation where all of creation happens and is given like seven seconds to do anything and the thing he does is uh he saves zach and if you haven't played the game and you like who the fuck is zach don't worry that that's everyone's reaction if you haven't played final fantasy 7 um 
But that is, does he save Zack in okay. his world or in a different world? <laughs> yes, because the Zack thing happened in Final Fantasy VII stuff that is non-linear and will be explained later, but it just cuts to this and then he saves Zack and the dog has a different design. The dog has a different design. Jackson, can you imagine yes? playing this game as the first thing you've ever played from Final Fantasy VII and you finish the Shinra HQ? And you get on the bike. And I don't remember if it's before the bike section or after the bike section. But you just get Zach walking through the desert. It's coming. It's Who is this person? Why who am I supposed to? This? Who the fuck is this? Who is yeah. this? Who is this man? Who is this guy? Why does he have all of Cloud shit? Who can say? More than, more than the stuff where like Cloud is talking to Cloud inside of his own head more than the bit where they do the my favorite thing in code geass which is when a character says their name but they block out the name with a sound effect uh yep. do you know the song i'm talking about they do that in this game with zach's name in the middle of the game they do. love that bit but but i know that bit because i know who zach is i knew what they were doing and if you didn't that whole sequence would have just blown past you and then that doesn't get it ah, ah he lives but does he? But does, does he, he live is here? Is it a different timeline? Biggs is alive now. If they change the timeline, they change. Like he a, saves Biggs. Sorry, Wedge. Sorry, Jesse. Is this Y'all like a Fringe fucked. season four situation? I haven't seen Fringe, um, but yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, but I don't, know. Are, which, I don't know. Which, which, yeah. blah, 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 blah. the I, unknown journey continues. <sighs> yes, I don't. So, I wild. Ooh. Okay, here's the other. Here's another ending question for you. I know we okay. should probably go through this in order. I'm doing it in reverse order because this is where we are now. So, all through the game, the whispers of fate, the Dementors are trying to push things back onto track, onto Final Fantasy VII track. Like you suggested, when Wedge survives, they they kind of haunt him. Uh, there's a bit very early on where Aerith and Cloud talk for too long, and the the guards show up, the Shinra like police show up, and so they kind of start pulling people in different directions. There's a bit like, where. Go. You're meant to right. be pushing barrels down. Yes, yeah, ex- exactly. Yes, 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 that part, yeah. There's the bit where, like, Cloud is not going to go do the second mission, and so they attack and hurt Jesse so that Cloud has to go on the mission or whatever, right? Um, and that all happens. They have a pretty antagonistic relationship with the Whispers of Fate for most of the game. Then there's, like, the big one, which is Barrett gets stabbed in the chest, and they, they for, like... 20 minutes you think oh shit are they gonna do are they changing who sephiroth killed and then no because the whispers of fate are like no we got it don't worry about it so at this point in the game Uh it feels to me like while there is an antagonistic relationship they they end up being like oh the whispers are helping us well wow they kept us alive um uh, they haven't quite figured out that they're actually like what the whispers of fate are doing at this point then there's the bike sequence and then the confrontation with sephiroth on the highway and he, or I, I don't know if he gives them, okay, who gives them the flash forwards? Where are the flash forwards coming from? The image of Aerith dying, the image of Meteor falling on Midgar, the earlier images of the plate falling early on in the game that Cloud sees like a flash forward of the plate falling, or from below, which is not even where he would have been during that, so I don't know why he got that image. Um, uh, where is that coming from? Is that coming from Sephiroth? No, at the end of the game, it's coming because they get, like, close to the, like, Arbs of Fate. Like, they go into the dimension or they get close and they see the, so then, the Zack scene. And then they go in right. and they see clips of Advent Children. And they go, we have to stop this! We have to, this can't happen. <laughs> okay, so then, so then, so then. Second thing. One, Cloud, Cloud should have all... The thing uh-huh. with Zack, the flashback to Zack shouldn't even have been from the Whispers of Fate. Because that would have already have happened in this world. Um, but why... 
so they've only seen the bat. They haven't seen that they stop Sephiroth, right? They only no. see the costs of what the journey would have been otherwise. They which see is, like contextless stuff. So that uh, to me, that made me think that what was happening there was that Sephiroth was misleading them intentionally so that they would help him kill the Arbiters of Fate. Um, I don't know that that might not be true at all. But my point here is how vague a lot of this stuff is. Yes. Does not allow for an easy synthesis of meaning at the end of the story where they feel like fools for doing this thing, knowing that Sephiroth wants them to do it. So here's what I think. Well, okay, we'll have to go back in a second. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry. Um, I do think the ending is like pretty dark. Um, like the first time, so I've watched the ending cutscene a couple times now. And the first time I was like, hmm. But then the second time, I feel like the uh, darkness of it uh, seemed a bit more intentional. So they do all this and they they decide to kill the Arbiter's fate, which Sephiroth also wants. Yes. Um, and. Sephiroth like then like offers Cloud his hand and is basically like non existent. We could rule like, this entropy's... galaxy together, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's it's more like entropy's coming to everything. Uh you stay with me and then we'll all exist forever. Uh but even in Sephiroth's vision, that's gonna be like the him being god of the live stream, because we know that's what Sephiroth wants if you've played. We know that, but the game we doesn't tell us that. And his motivations are different enough that it's like, has, has that changed? I don't think so. I think that, like, Sephiroth's still a bad guy, but in this game, he doesn't actually do anything bad on screen to anyone. <laughs> Except right. murder, like, you know, murder Jeff Bezos. Like, he doesn't That's do- a good thing. <laughs> uh, you know what the bad thing about that is? Is he kept, it means that Barrett didn't get to do it himself. <laughs> I was like, Barrett, throw him from the roof. Throw him throw from the roof. Throw him from the fucking roof, please. <laughs> Can you imagine um, if Barrett had just yeeted that guy? Like that incredible, so good. the fucking I would have marked out so hard. Um, there's the bit so so Sephiroth meets them on the on the at the edge of the highway where you know fate itself has opened up into a swirling black and white and purple mass, and Aerith says that Sephiroth will tell you he's trying to save the world. Yes, which he did is, at the start of the game. The first, the first thing he does is say the planet is sick and painfully dying. Uh, you got to do what I say, Cloud. Is that consistent with anything in FF7? Not really. So so Sephiroth in 7 is, like, not interesting or important. He basically no. disappears after the second half of the game. Like, he's mysterious, and then when the big reveal happens, he falls into Northern Cave, Meteor appears, and then he's gone until the final boss. Because right. he's, like, Shimra's, like, consequence. Shimra made him, and now the world's going to be destroyed because of their crimes. And right, right. the, like, function of the party is to ask the question of, have we fucked up to the point where we are all going to die? Can we do something at this last moment? And then the game ends with this like amazing kind of ambiguous ending where you don't know. And the only thing you get is uh, 500 years later, Red 13 uh, living across a rejuvenated world. But mm-hmm. everyone else could have just died in that. All the humans could have been wiped out and you don't know. And that's the way that Seven ends. But in this, like Sephiroth, I don't know. His motivation is not clear. Um, no. I take him at his word, but I don't think his word is like, I don't think he's lying, right? But I do think he you know, wants to be, he doesn't see the value of like the individual in existence. And I think that's what it's getting at. He just wants to save the, save the planet from not existing is what it seemed like he was gesturing at the, in the edge of creation. Cause he's like, what is to come will eventually like obliterate all of us. But if we do this, then we can just exist forever. Cloud. 
join me. So they've <laughs> joined me in in human instrumentality. Yes, I mean, okay, yeah, yep, uh huh. Um, because the live stream was already that, and Sephiroth, yeah, of course, and, it was. Yeah. Um, Sephiroth and Aerith have like different views on what the purpose of the live stream is. Uh, Aerith is much more at peace with her individuality disappearing. Right. Um, please ignore the bits of the spin-off media where she's still around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, oh, here's just a, just a pause to tell please. you a thing from the book because it's very funny. Uh, so there's this book called On the Way to a Smile, which has a bunch of like Advent Children prequel stuff. One of the things it introduces that doesn't happen is so in Advent Children there are three Sephiroth. Cl- they're, they're Sephiroth nobodies. They're Sephiroth clones that kind of have his personality. They're like remnants of his will. Nomura only has right. one plot. Uh, right. And in this book, Aerith says he realized what he had done and considers doing it herself. Wow. She doesn't, she doesn't do it, but she for a moment thought, what if there were three Aeriths running around? And I'm God. like, God. So Final Fantasy VII is wild. Um, here's one. Yep. Do you trust Aerith at the end of this game? Or throughout this game? Throughout this game, mm, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I. Kind I of like her about. a lot. Like, I think that she, I think that she kind of. I, I feel bad for Tifa stands with this game because oh. she doesn't have much to do in this game except be the one person who doesn't want to blow up Shinra, um, yeah. uh, as violently as possible. She comes. She comes around. She does it. You know. You, like, you know. She's 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 ride or die. But she's the one who raises some complaints. Whereas I think Aerith as like the per like. Jesse, Jesse, like loosens the lid on Cloud, and and mm-hmm. Aerith is the one who's like, "You're you come on, fucking cut it out, give me a high five. Um, and and that gives her a lot of space to actually like come across as like a bold character. Um, and and all of the stuff that I thought they would, all of the stuff that I think has did not come across in the cultural osmosis where everyone yes. thinks of Aerith as like the most as like Jesusy and and chaste and. Um and you know res- uh, um um what's the word I'm looking for uh, uh I almost said resigned which is which is sort of true in, in some instances um uh, but restrained is actually very playful and flirty and yes uh, world world uh, worldly understands the world better than Cloud does certainly um she sees a they- she sees a guy who's like hey you look like my old footballer boyfriend let's hang out like <laughs> let's that's hang her out character. yeah exactly a hundred percent um let me tease you a bunch and and we'll see where it goes um but also in this game there are all these moments where i th- get the sense that she knows more than even she's supposed to know yes do you know what i mean there's like the scene with marlene where she whispers something right there's the one thing, and then Marlene reacts in the same way that the Sephiroth reacts, like Cloud reacts when the Sephiroth things yes. happen, when that flash happens. So, yes. like Aerith and Sephiroth are both positioned as the characters that are like close to the live stream and thus the like latent knowledge of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, right. I don't think Aerith is like consciously aware of it, but I think the way that the game ends um, indicates like. And so the game ends right, and they they kill they they kill these arbiters of fate, and the 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 page is blank. The world is open before them, and then Cloud turns to everyone and goes, "Can we chase Sephiroth then?" Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what they did before. And then Aerith goes, oh, "I missed the Steel Sky," and yeah. now no one knows what to do with this freedom. And I think we're definitely meant to get the sense of like this is still going to happen. They have to have it within themselves to have the imagination to make something different. Right. Um, yes, I think that's true too. Yeah, I just think Aerith is meant to like point to that because she's like scared of all this stuff but never really acts like she hesitates before all this stuff because she's scared of it but doesn't know doesn't like consciously know here's how we fix it uh 
where Sephiroth is just going to get in there and be like, let's kill these guys, I'll just rule the world. But I don't even, uh, I wish I even got that much from him. I right. really, like, this is my biggest, my biggest, I like this game a lot, and we'll talk about all the stuff I, I do like throughout too, I'm sure. Um, but this is my big, the big thing for me is like a failure to characterize Sephiroth, uh, but mm-hmm. still want to leverage him as an antagonistic force at, in the final act. When in fact, they've done a really good job of characterizing all of the parts of Shinra. I think going yes. through Shinra HQ, which we, we talked about very briefly, there's a section in Shinra HQ where you kind of get the history of Shinra, the company. You get, uh, uh, like, you, you're kind of introduced to each of the, the I guess you don't have, like, a long introduction to each member, but you kind of get the breakdown of each of, like, the five leaders of Shinra, basically. Um, and they, they you constantly get these, like, cutaway cutscenes of them, um, of, you know, Heidegger and Hojo and everybody involved doing the their, like, uh, secret work uh, off-camera, off so to speak, um, in a way that's really effective and makes you want to just, like, punch the shit out of them. It's one of the reasons why I'm glad we get the Rufus sequence where he, like, becomes the new the new president, um, because mm-hmm. if that to me felt like a commitment of keeping Shinra in the camera, um, which was of course going to happen, but when you make the game end with we're going to kill fate, I appreciate the added like, no, 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 we know that this stuff is really dramatic and cool. We're going to keep, you're going to keep seeing Shinra and the Turks and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I but I also felt like it almost would have been, I almost wish there was an ending here where the Sephiroth stuff remained either more mysterious, got more mm-hmm. explained, or was replaced with uh, and a more, an extended Rufus situation, an extended something else. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I I just left feeling like if I hadn't been literally rewatching a Let's Play of this game, I would feel so deflated because of how how empty a lot of this is. And maybe this is pointing to the fact that this is a game uh, co-directed by Tetsuya Nomura, lead directed by Tetsuya Nomura, who is happy to play with this sort of ambiguity at the end of, of the games he directs. Uh, and that, that has always like bugged me because it, it feels like you are trading um, curiosity uh, for closure or for, for a sense of, of resolution, not even resolution or closure so much as again, like good characterization. I would rather this game feel like, fuck, they didn't end it right. Uh, there's there's an open ended. What what happens next? Then this, where I don't even necessarily feel that because I don't know what their version of Sephiroth is really going for. You know, I don't know. It's it's like how like Alex, I haven't played all of Kingdom Hearts, but I've played enough to know that. Remember how Kingdom Hearts One has this like secret ending cutscene that is a, a city and people fighting with keyblades, and you don't find out yes. what that is until like four games time, and like it's. It's ridiculous. Well, like, um, but, but like, what if? Okay, maybe that's what I want. Maybe what I wanted was for this to be the secret thing, and maybe that would have calmed my nerves on this. Was like, if this was the, <laughs> if you beat the game on on hard, and you go back and you get all of the manuscripts or whatever, you get a secret boss fight that is fate is destroyed, and or you fight mm-hmm. Sephiroth at the end of time, whatever it is. Um, uh, maybe I would have said that would have sat better with me because then it would have been like in that nice box of, hey, this is pointing towards bigger things but you've gotten the complete package of what the midgar story is already and maybe maybe if i just think of it that way uh, i'll come to terms with it I, so i think the biggest problem the problem is too strong a word but the, the biggest difficulty with the story they're telling is what does it matter if final fantasy 7 happens yeah like so people have been pointing to the rebuild movies a lot and i know you haven't seen them so i won't go no, into specifics yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
but even looking at like the show and end of eva itself what happens to shinji what happens in third impact are like metaphors for depression and life and it's like a like will shinji get over his bullshit is the question of that show throughout and you know saying nothing of the quality of it there is a reason to ask that question again and come back to that but what does the metaphor what does it matter if Aerith dies again like what am i meant to take away from that and the this this game doesn't have an answer i don't think like it's important that final fantasy 7 happens because people in the world care about final fantasy 7 but in the fiction why does god give a shit <laughs> i think right why does why do the whispers of fate care right specifically i think the whispers of i think there's two readings my i have two readings on this one is um that it's you can take it from like the, the meta contextual yes. conversation around the history of games um around the ownership of, of narratives whether whether they're owned by the creators the company that makes them the fans who who you know interpret them and reinterpret them or a mix of all three or, or, or whatever right and, and fundamentally is 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 the text immutable to what degree is the text immutable i think there's a very reactionary read to this that does mm-hmm. do the thing i suggested before which is like the whispers of fate are the fans blah 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 yes. right i think there's another way though which is um the fans are the party who kills fate fate is square yes. enix right <laughs> Every AU is you killing the Whisper of Fate, killing the Arbiter of, of Destiny or whatever the fuck they're called, um, and and deciding like, oh no, actually in my AU, da, 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 that's you. This is the game. This is those creators being like, we are making a, can- a canonical reason for that stuff to also fucking count, which is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The other version of this is is I think what you queued up or teed up earlier, which is when things feel inevitable. Is there a way when things are, seem inevitable, when history seems to repeat itself, yes. when the processes of power demand sacrifice to fight them, is there a way to imagine a better, less costly way? Is there a way to, to imagine another outcome? Is progression linear? Um, is history linear? Is there such a thing as history, in you know, uh, uh, so to speak, in that way? Or is, is are things open ended? Can we change fate? Right? Can we can we not just resist power, but could we have resisted power in different ways? Um, and I think that that's an interesting question. And I think that that does come up throughout this game, mm-hmm. specifically around the way that the game frames and, and talks about revolution and revolutionary yes. activity. Um, we talked about it briefly up top, but like the the Midgar branch of Avalanche. Um, or I guess Barrett's Midgar <laughs> branch of Avalanche, because I guess Avalanche is also just in Midgar in huge numbers in a couple of key scenes. I um, got to the scene where they just like showed up, and I was yeah. on on Skype with them, and I was like, uh, "Out of Heaven just showed up." Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and I was like, totally. "What the hell are you talking about?" I'm like, "Uh, well, I I don't know, I don't know." And then it ended up not really going anywhere in this game, but for that one moment, the possibility space was just like the whole Earth, like totally. anything could happen there. Totally, and it still and could, which is interesting. Yeah, because the Wutai stuff is fascinating. So, yeah, we, we touched on that earlier because I really want to dig into that. Of, like, you have the questions around, it's like, is the lethal force of Avalanche justified? Which right. is kind of a boring question and eventually gets mostly settled because uh, Shimra drop a plate? They right. kill so many people. Yeah. And then there's that quote, there's that, like, Barrett quote after, with the conversation with Tifa that's going around everywhere because he's like, you can't let them, like... If you let them start convincing you that you're at fault for them killing everyone, you'll never get anything done. Yep. Hold like, on to that anger, right? Like, yeah, it's, um, it's that great. stuff is... Barrett, when Barrett is in revolutionary mode, he fucking kicks ass so much. Like, from the jump, there's the bit where where they get outside uh, after destroying the first reactor, and mm-hmm. everyone is like, who didn't expect it to go like this? 
And Barrett delivers like two things back to back. And the first is very much like, listen, we knew that this was going to take dramatic, serious action. Uh, and the second thing is, he's like, I'm here for you. He says it in the like, you know, most uh, clownish black exploitation voice possible. Uh, but the heart that he delivers his like his his leadership with his, this idea that like we're in this together. We are going to protect each other. If you need to talk through what just happened, I am here for you. I'm going to pick you up. Like, it's so good. Um, and then consistently, whenever he's in that mode, there's the bit when he's uh, when, when you're climbing to go up to Shinra Tower and you look down to the to the super compressed pre-rendered background that is the rest of or that is the, the destroyed sector 7 slums it's beautiful um, which is incredible it's incredible uh, and he's like never forget what never forget this view right like this is yeah. what shinra has done this is what and again like i want i this is what capitalism is willing to do to stay in power right this is what mm -hmm. the capitalists are willing to do um we're nothing to them and like that stuff is 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 really 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 great uh, and, and i think this game is so much weaker without that um and and i'm i'm hopeful that that continues and that that isn't just a midgar thing i really want them to develop avalanche in in the sequels and well, Wutai, for that matter, who is right. absent minus them being a threat mentioned over the TV and the radio, and then I think a dress showing up, depending on what choices you made for what Tifa's what dress Tifa should wear in Wall Market. Um, mm -hmm. I think she can wear a Wutai dress, which is a whole can of worms. Yeah, and um, so they they mention that the reason that Barrett's cell split off from Avalanche as a whole was because Barrett's cell advocated, like, dramatic terrorist right. action. Right. And Avalanche as a whole was more about, like, militaristically organizing to restart the war with between Shimra and Wutai, and maybe through that, like, destroy Shimra. But Barrett's argument against that is that that's not, like, the people rising up, right? It's getting involved in real right. politics with another na nation mm -hmm. that could... And it gets about four lines in the game. <laughs> I know. But it's one of the most interesting things there, because the question of is action valid is not interesting at this point right because the answer is yes um, whereas the question of is like direct action from small groups meaningful or do we need to like organize with the like structures and states that do exist to yep. try to for like forge the best alliances we can even if they're kind of shitty um where is the line of like idealism and um you know where compromise and how does that look when you are a <laughs> international like terrorist cell trying to stop uh the planet being killed when you're genuinely committed to revolutionary action like yes to, to revolutionary violent action like that that is that is not a conversation that happens in most games like it just isn't i think a lot about no. um there's a sequence in i want to say the second season of the expanse um uh without getting too spoilery here there's the, the way the expanse is set up uh basically is that there's like uh there's earth um, which is like a neoliberal hellhole. Um, there is Mars, which is kind of a military, um, uh, like, statist. Um, you, you kind of get the vibe. You kind of get the vibe that they're like a communist state, but it's never really explicitly clear. They don't really get into the, or at least as far as I've seen, they don't get into, like, the moment-to-moment, -moment, um, like, policy-level things. They don't have to do with the military um, mm -hmm. as much as I wish they would. Um, and then there is, like, the Belters, who are your kind of, like, labor force who live out in the asteroids and are the, the people who are mining materials and water and, and stuff from the asteroid belts. Uh, and they are your, like, your, like, work 
working class uh, uh, stand in. And uh, there's a sequence in which the belters are all like debating uh, whether or not they should how involved they should be in this this new kind of threat to the entire higher solar system. To what degree should they work with Mars and, and Earth? To what degree should they maintain their status as being basically a bunch of pirates and um, and and like loose revolutionary cells? Um, and it's incredible because there are like five or six positions in this conversation in this in the show, um, and they're all genuine leftists. Or, or, or like right. left adjacent at least positions debating like it's leftist infighting but it's like genuine leftist infighting it's not look at how incompetent they are they're like yeah everyone here has a point everyone here is representing something genuine and to see that pop up here where you know uh you literally see what happens when you have a cell of five people trying to fight shinra all by themselves is sometimes they do a night raid to get a a different fuel or whatever for your for your bomb and you end up needing to get pulled out by the much more organized and much more restrained larger cell that thankfully showed up i we don't know why they showed up actually do we yes oh, is it going to uh, be that rufus sent them is that what they're going to do I mean, I, we'll see how connected to uh, yeah. to cri- before Crisis they are. It, they do not exist by the end of that game. Okay, um, right. It is like old Avalanche is done. New Avalanche comes in. Um, it, I, when they when the game started, I was like, oh, that's a reference to the other Avalanche when they tried yeah. to assassinate Shinra. But then this game, like the Wutai stuff, was not in Before Crisis, so I I just don't know how connected that is. Yeah. Um, and it's not really developed that much in this game. But I do think it like shows how like. Once you accept, once your like text accepts that revolutionary action is both necessary and good, the next questions are so much more meaty and so interesting. So much more interesting, yeah, definitely. Because there's just so many scenes where Tifa says like, "Oh, but we did this," and "Oh, Barrett, could you go check on Barrett? He he might be yelling at the 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 other oh the white God. people." <laughs> it's, like, it's like, "Yo, Tifa, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" Because they just Tifa. destroy. Tifa and, is in a lot of bad Facebook threads. You just know it. Yes. You just know it. And we got some emails saying like, "Oh, stop bad mouthing Tifa." Like, I love Tifa. It, yeah. In Kingdom Hearts Two, Mickey Mouse is terrified of her because she can beat anyone up. Like, she's cool. But this game does her dirty, and it's because the game is committed to always having like conflict in the dialogue in a way of like right. when Barrett says it's good to blow things up, someone has to express the counter view there's an incredibly funny line where after they see that huge shinra like presentation i think it's around the big table the bigger uh, uh midgar recreation like yeah. model and then barrett says like oh, a bunch of lies uh, at the monologue and then cloud responds oh maker energy has made a lot of people's lives better I, while he's in the middle of a terrorist raid <laughs> it's like you, you this is like when i was watching the americans and the reagan assassination happens and one of the russian assassins had to say oh it's a bit far in it <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like it's you, fucked. you can't I, do that you don't need to you don't need to do it you don't need to do it's this a- uh, and Tifa gets the brunt of of all those lines, and it's a real shame. You know, they're trying to. I, I think that there uh, there is a through line between that stuff and the like. I'm sick of Mako. I'm sick of Sephiroth. I'm sick of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I think that she is very much supposed to be the person who knows in her heart what is right, but who like 
is connected to the local people. Um, the difference between her and like Parvati in Outer Worlds is she doesn't then say, and that's why we shouldn't fight the corporation. <laughs> Think about yeah. how it might hurt regular people. She like she go she she voices it briefly, and then Barrett says like, "Nah, we good. This is this is good actually." And she goes, "Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way." And then they move on, uh, and that's good. Um, so, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate her. I, I am. She's going to get more to do as the series continues, right? Like that is the thing. Yes. Um, I think that like Midgar just Midgar does her dirty to some degree already because there just isn't much to do. Also, I think that unfortunately she gets stuck with some of the least interesting gameplay moments. Um, mm-hmm. I think like the stuff in Shinra HQ of her jumping around on the chandeliers. And you, oh god, did you get? St- I got stuck there for like twenty minutes trying to figure out how to get back up top because I didn't realize you could jump on top of the cars that are on the yes. floor. It wasn't twenty minutes, but yes, about five minutes for me. I was a fool. It was bad. It was not fun. The level design is like the Naughty Dog has made them insecure, and it has yeah, led to a bunch right. of like. It, like weird gimmicks of here's the way we go through this level like we're talking and then someone pulls up a ladder but instead of like lovingly animated stuff it's all very modular because that's final fantasy design philosophy and it's a yeah. uh, good design philosophy just doesn't lend itself like they don't have naughty dog money or like no. time i guess so they built and... like 10 different types of ladders for yes. 10 different dungeons and in one of them it's a giant hand that moves a crate and in one of them it is that red 13 can run on walls and on one of them it's that tifa can jump on cars and like that is literally what the dungeon design is like in this game, and it's so frustrating to me because, and I, I suspect, um, I, sus- I I hope that my suspicion is the people who listen to this podcast will agree with me here. But I think a big robot arm in the in the Midgar slums in the in the uh, destroyed highway or whatever it's called um, is so much more important and evocative and powerful when it's a thing you look at and go, whoa. And so much less powerful when it's a thing that you play with for 15 minutes so you can get a new materia because you've done your box-moving puzzle. I think it like completely yes. saps all of the power of, why the fuck is there a big robot arm in this tunnel? What is uh, going on? Yeah. When now it's wired up still, still has power, was built into the side of this highway to begin with, question mark? I was so frustrated by those moments um in in the level design uh the like you said the, the naughty dog the, the moments where, where they could they could hear naughty dog's footsteps a little bit and be like uh how do we make it so that there's 3d navigation that's interesting i know uh cloud will get into this i mean this one was this one in the original could the trains move in the original train graveyard was yes, that a thing that was, that was i thought okay so that was already thing. there <laughs> but but the it comes at the end not. of like two invented dungeons oh. and a huge boss that was two that train oh. graveyard has two huge bosses even though they've seen like it's one of the worst parts of the game pacing wise because those bosses it's are cool so bad. but the intent of the pacing of the sewers and the train graveyard is it's a sprint to get back to sector seven yeah and there's like two subplots in the middle of that but i mean uh, it's it's not even it's there's side quests that happen at a certain point where there should be a sprint right it's, yes where is that? Is that after That's, that's the when plate? you re- are rescuing um, Tifa. So, um, so there's three. I was like... thinking after the plate dropped and, and, and Aerith gets kidnapped in the game, it's also a sprint to get to Shinra HQ, right? That's, that is slightly less of a sprint because okay. that actually, like, breaks things. That becomes day and then you can also rest it in so it, like, oh, implies sure. that time has passed and you're okay. building. Because they know that Aerith will be safe and they just have to get ready. You're right, you're right, you're right. Do it. Whereas... Uh, the night that you so you fall asleep 
Um, and you sneak out of Aerithrome and they Never. keep that minigame in there. to sleep. <laughs> you go to sleep for what I assume is five minutes and this has to be like the dead of winter. So I'm going to say most generous, it is, let's say, six o'clock when you sneak out for and everyone's gone to bed question mark yeah but you leave then you uh go through the tunnels you witness uh tifa being kidnapped she goes to walmart she kicks ass uh jackson she can kick ass oh she, she can, can take ass. care of herself don't worry Sorry. about it that's she's, true yeah she's not kidnapped okay one of the differences here, right? In the original, you're just hanging out with Aerith in the playground, and then a, a carriage goes by, and Tifa is in it. And Cloud is like, excuse me, why is Tifa, what is happening? And this time you run up behind her, and she's like, I got it, I'm good, don't worry about it. Uh, it's a very funny scene, because Aerith has to be like, Cloud, it's not woke to not rescue her. <laughs> <laughs> Like what you can't? What are you doing, Cloud? We have to go save her. Uh, uh, and then God. they go. They go to Wall Market. They like uh, investigate the three leaders. They fight in a multi-battle coliseum oh evening. My God. They have a dance contest and go to a show. Uh, they then participate, go and yeah. uh-huh, participate. Yeah. They then go uh, rescue Tifa and audition to be uh, Don Corneo's bride or whatever. They get thrown to the sewers. They go through the sewers. They go through the train graveyard. Uh, they do the boss fights there the they the plate drops they escape the plate dropping there are two you said there are two there are two boss fights in the train graveyard there's a, there are there's an extra like in, in terms of just when i think about pacing um in jrpgs i think about bosses being chapter ends generally and there is a boss from the point at which you leave the house right i guess there's like not a boss in the highway section right there's nope. a boss in the coliseum boss in the coliseum there is a boss in there isn't a boss in Corneo, but there's oh yeah there's serious that you, you fight you fight the well, the, the Corneo. there isn't pet. a boss in wall market but it, there's a boss the second you it's the beginning of the new chapter yes so yes there's a boss right at the start because that's where abzu was in the original abzu, right that's where abzu is and then and then you get to the train grave, graveyard and two more bosses two more um, bosses which are kind of hard bosses also yes. um and then and then you finally get to the plate then you get to the plate, then there's a boss during the plate sequence when you fight the Turks, then right. the plate drops, and I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I, I would have to go back and scrub through the thing, but I think I think the underground um rescuing wedge section happens before that sun rises. I think that's all one night. Holy shit. <laughs> in the that in the, the game sequence, I think Because I don't think the sunrise scene is until uh Okay, you wait, wait, go no, because you you okay. The plate falls, you you Tifa and Barrett take the the zip line away or whatever. You end up back. Aerith has been kidnapped already. Yeah, no, you're totally right. That's the same night. That's the same night. Still all the same night, and it's ludicrous. Yeah. Which is yeah. like, I mean, that's how it happened before. I mean, no one went to an underground lab. No, but this, those sequences are so much longer because the oh yeah, the underground lab, for instance, is so long and made longer because there are sequences where you can play as Barrett or you have to play as Barrett to go through them. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you did this, but I did it. There the walls are lined with destructible crates. Yes. That you can sh- that you can shoot or if you're me, you have to shoot. You have or else to shoot brain all of them. will revolt against you. What if there's a Moogle medal? What if there's a Moogle medal? I know I already bought everything. I know that I already spent one whole hour just repeating the bo- the box thing and failing on purpose so that I could get the bonus, the, the uh, participation trophy Moogle medal right. enough oh. to buy the fucking thing. I did that already, but I still want all the Moogle medals. Yeah. Uh. 
Uh-huh. Anyway, what I what I really think is like when that game is in full sprint, which for me is the plate sequence, mm-hmm. uh, is the either of the reactor runs, uh, is the Shinra HQ stuff, and then and then when it's in slow mode, when it's like do some side quests, explore the environment. Those are both really good for me. Those transitional mm-hmm. moments, the kind of like half dungeons, going through the sewers a second time with Leslie, going through the sewers the first time, uh, going through um, the the collapsed uh, tunnel, the highway stuff. All of that stuff is exhausting to me, even though I really like the combat, because there's so much of it and it breaks up the narrative pacing in a way that I just don't know that it needs. I don't know. Maybe I I, maybe I'm maybe I'm harsher on that than 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 you are, but uh, and no, I, I, I guess I'll say it gets worse. It got worse to me as the game continued because I wanted to see how they wrapped things up, and so yes, through Wall Market I was pretty much okay with it. I think the the pre Wall Market Highway stuff was the first time when I was like, eh. and then by the time you get to Hojo's Lab, which just keeps going, Hojo's Lab is the funniest thing in the game because uh, in the game the thing they are adapting is a single shot where it's they a, kind yeah. of peek into the, the Genova holding cell that they have and go, that's weird. Uh, and that becomes a hour-long two-party multi-stage like boss fight dungeon yeah. um, in the middle of the huge ending of the game. And it hits the brakes more than any other, any other sequence because it forces you for the first time in the game to either fully outfit your party with material yes. that you're happy with or pause every time and switch your material between party members, which is a major like change in pacing and, and, and changes your relationship with the materia too. You know, like I, I felt like I had a really good two, I basically had good parties of any three of them, but the second that you needed me to put, to like outfit all four of them, I was never happy with what I, with what I had, um, which is a bummer, but the game needs, and this would be like more work, but I think this style of game should really have like a multi, I need to have a di- load of material like set outs and be yes, like, okay, yes, here's yes. my set out for this team. And I think it's fine to have all four be one setup, but it's not till very late in the game where you realize, oh, they could put any member of my party in at any at time. At any time, yeah. And that ends up being one of the things I think is cool about the game because it prevents the combat from, like, when Barrett's in my party, I've yep. got a tank. And yep. it's he, it, like, I just, uh, ca- he's got 8,000 hit points, yep. I cast Lifesaver, I cast Steel Skin, yep. it's no problem. And it's um, cool to play as him. It's so yes. rare that they play, that I have a tank that I can play as in a in an action RPG, where playing the tank feels fun, but the fact that they gave him that overcharge ability, and then a number of really powerful uh, tech- non-materia techniques to keep his, his charge meter rolling is really, really fun, and that was surprising for me. Um, um, but, but you're right, like, when he's not in the party, you just don't have that and you have to plan accordingly right so for example right in the last bit with the um the second to last fight with the uh you know the arbiters of fate the heartless yeah the big heartless the big heartless the massive heartless (laughs) yes Um, they've they've only ever made one game Uh (laughs) and it's a whole like multi-stage fight you you fight three of them you fight different three of them and the party's changing and then right at the end you get into a party with just you era and uh, Aerith and Tifa era. Era. <laughs> and Aerith there and <laughs> oh uh, boy. Uh, and Tifa and I suddenly didn't have my tank and then they fused into Bahama and I was like oh mate. And then when you die you have to do that entire sequence again. Oh. Um, and then I spent like 20 minutes outfitting the material fund. It was fine. It didn't like end up yeah. ruining but 
with the pacing at the end that intense, I would have preferred it to have gone slightly differently. But I, I think that this stuff is more just like, there's problems that Final Fantasy has not been able to solve, and I don't think will, because uh, RPG battle design originally in the series was based around dungeons and the idea of managing resources, right? Like, a single mm-hmm. battle against mobs is not important in a right. Final Fantasy game. What is important is how much HP and MP have you got? How are your items? Will you be able to be prepared to fight the boss? That has gone away now. And I mean, this game still has HP and MP conservation between them in a way that 13 doesn't. Yeah. But the thing these two games have in common is they're based around like puzzle battles that are about figuring out your weaknesses, figuring out the strategy and efficiently executing on getting everyone to their stagger bar. And that's very cool, but it's not dungeons and so the extended sequences it's like what is there to do but a straight line of very similar battles and the answer this game comes up with is we break it up with a bunch of weird fake naughty dog stuff and it's right. mostly bosses it's mo- and it's most and i would almost rather it be more bosses less naughty yes. dog stuff right yes um that would be really that- fun i think the i think the the basic dynamics of this combat system are fantastic like i absolutely i don't think i'll play it on go back through and play on hard or anything like that but uh i can't wait to see someone do that on a gdq um i am if you told me there was really cool stuff in a hard mode and you got extra story bits i would probably do it there um, isn't the manuscripts aren't things you can read yeah i know way. they're it's- just they're just like you get more <laughs> more xp for your sword right yes yes it's just more because i looked at them i was like oh is there like a weird like lore thing and no, there's no, so the- many <laughs> manuscripts to unlock too i don't understand why they use that term given <laughs> the way that i will look at that and be like well the last one has to be good new story stuff no <laughs> it's not no there's nothing and the reason there's loads of them on hard mode is because you get capped at level 50 and there's no way to get more sp Right. Yes, 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 yes. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. But, yeah, so that's um, it's just a weird, like, the, the thing they've got to deal with to make this game exist in the form it does and harken back to old Final Fantasy is just, it's a very difficult design problem that they just haven't solved. And I, I love 13. This game is pulling from 13 in a lot of ways, uh, but 13 is an exhausting game that's a lot of, like, long straight lines or slightly curved lines of very similar battles and that right. game you get all your health back every battle uh, oh so, i didn't know that that's interesting uh, so it's always just okay what do i do what's the puzzle and i do it and then often you'll get like four fights of the same enemy type and it's just like there's no there's no need for this right you um, saw i could do this already chill like chill. Ex- yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and um, yeah so i i just don't know where like what you do with final fantasy it's a hard problem and the way you fix it right is by making more content it's what if there were 50 bosses in this game which is just an unreasonable ask Um, absolutely yes yeah i I say i want that but i also know what that means 100 percent. i do get that um Mm or or so this out there what if we all were just happy with a 25 hour game instead of a 40 right um i would be i would be so happy if you'd cut each of these dungeons in half i really would um i'm curious for you if there's anything stand out in terms of in terms of boss fights we both said how how good the boss fights were is there anyone that you're like this is this is the best one oh i don't i don't remember in terms of, so i played it in, in a blur i played right. this game in like five days because being an event game mm-hmm. you've got to play it other, and and this specific event game the ending is the discussion there's nothing yeah. else yeah. um to the point where i'm like this game should have been released across 18 days everyone gets a chapter a day oh that'd be everyone sick. plays it oh, and then the fun. pacing problems would be fine <laughs> that'd be so fun yeah we should have just done that we should have just can we go okay 
We have to fight the whispers of fate and make it so that the abnormal mapping community does the thing we just said. Yeah, because that would be great. And I was like looking at how split these were. I was like, they could just release this a chapter a, a couple days and it would be like, you know, don't make it episodic and to the point where it's coming out once a month and then it goes on forever. Right, right, but right. They could just split it out. Just let people have... Because TV episodes... like. Netflix t- discuss that. Uh, Netflix shows that come out all on the same day do not get the huge event discussion yeah. that an episode of Game of Thrones does. Right? Yeah. Games are a really bad format for event media, and so it's just difficult. And anyway, the point was that was the question you asked at all. Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I wanted you to say Hell House or to say the, that cool <laughs> that cool weird robot death that rides around on a chariot. That's what I wanted to hear, and instead the cool said, robot. <laughs> Cool robot death is cool. <laughs> that fight's wild. Hellhouse rule. Hellhouse was what taught me how important Aerith's wards were. Oh, I love the wards so much. The wards are so good. They're so 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 good. I love like this is really when I uh, this is the way in which this game does completely answer the twenty year old Austin's complaint with this game, which was these characters don't feel distinct enough. Is that like mm-hmm. the difference between between. Barrett, who is the tank who can put on steel skin and and the one where he takes damage for other people. Uh, and then Aerith, who is like, I'm going to set up these wards that become like your 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 HQ on the battlefield, where you want to move everybody to cast their spells, where you want them to do their ATB stuff because they get the ATB uh, back by the by with, once the second ward is set up. And then Especially in the fights, like the what is the name of the death who wears a who uh, who rides a motorcycle or whatever rides a chariot or whatever the fuck is going on in that fight? What's <laughs> the, the, I don't I don't remember. You know I'll look it up the, while you the, keep going. The train yes, graveyard that, fight. The train the post, graveyard bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where like yes, you can set down wards, but you're going to need to do it in a situation. Know that there are times when this motherfucker is going to fly around in a circle and drop light javelins at you, and you're going to need to hide behind this this crate to prevent that from hitting you and so if you set them up there then like good you can have them but that means there's going to be angles where you're not going to be able to fire off stuff from those wards it's yes. so 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 good um it, it's elegor is the boss name yes elegor thank you thank you the most lord of the rings boss name in this in this game um yeah love that stuff that was good hey i just remembered there's there's a boss fight what's the what's the fight that you have with Leslie there. In... Oh, against the huge, like, rat thing? Is that what the... that is? Well, there's, they, it goes to, like, a big cave and there's a, it's like a second version of the Abzu. That's what it is. Yes, it's the second again. version of the Abzu. That fight was pretty cool. Um, my, I think my favorite is, is the Rufus Shinra one-on-one. One yes. v, the 1v1 Rufus on the on, on at Final Destination is extremely good um, because it gives me a lot of it gives me a lot of interest in how they're going to keep playing with these boss fights in the sequels. Uh, the way that the Rufus stuff works for people who haven't played um, is that is that he has a cool shotgun and a dog. Um, and the dog is able to cast barrier. This is all from the original game. Like this is just straight up. The dog casts barrier on him and on the dog and on the dog itself. Um, and you have to counter the dog with Punisher stance, which is your kind of defensive. Well, it's your more aggressive stance. It's your bad ranged. You can't def- you can't block ranged attacks with it. But if you're blocking and something tries to melee you in it, you do a hard counter and fuck it up. Uh, and so you have to do that to the dog in order to get the dog's like 
connection with Rufus broken, then you can take out the dog, uh, and then you can take take on Rufus. And Rufus is a ranged character primarily, which means that being in Punisher mode is more difficult because it means you can't block those incoming attacks. And then when you get to the one-on-one thing, what ends up happening is it's all about knowing when Rufus is out of shots so that you can close the distance yes. while he's reloading and sneak a few hits in. Um, I loved that sequence so much. That is the Same. most... And also, real talk... That is the sort of fight where they go like, how can we make Advent Children happen, but in yes. our in our action sequence? And it works, and I'm fine with it. So, more of it that It works part. shockingly well. Yeah. The battle systems, like, I don't think it's perfect. No, I think no. it, like, is a bit too overwhelming. And also, it's based around positioning, but you don't have the ability to control other characters positions yes. like you can dodge but some one of your ai characters just stand in the way and there's no good way to like balance and giving you more control wouldn't work because it's real time you can't control three people at once what do no, you do there it's yeah. an impossible uh it's a very difficult situation but i do think it's like um a bit awkward in some ways but the thing that do- does well are incredible like everyone's like a basically a fighting game character in their design yeah uh they all have their one gimmick and they're all very different and they all when you don't have them you feel like you've lost something important yeah. i don't have my tank i don't have my ability to get someone staggered quickly i don't yeah. have my wards yeah. so i can't exploit weaknesses and then cloud End is a, like a good center yeah. for for the way these worked and it makes me excited for what they're going to do in the future because one, I don't know how the hell you get eight party members that are all as well rounded as this. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't I know either. And also, no idea. Um, I to, let me let me let me like play devil's advocate for ourselves here. We both like the system a lot. <laughs> I remember okay. a thought, and I don't like playing devil's advocate that often, but I, I'm I'm actually basing this. I'm extending a, a natural thought I actually did have while playing, which was there's a moment when I hit this and I was like, this is the Mass Effect two of JRPG combat systems. Mm. Um, by which I mean it is so perfectly honed for this moment and for the aesthetic taste of players in a way that Final Fantasy XV certainly wasn't, in a way that Final Fantasy XIII certainly (laughs) seemed to not be. But in 10 years, will will it feel less like its own thing because of the ways in which it feels like so perfectly poised for our palates currently. Whereas from what you say, and what I've heard from other people who love Final Fantasy XIII, that combat system is is really, really good and has withstood the test of time, partially because it's so idiosyncratic that it doesn't it doesn't bear comparing to other things in a one-to-one fashion. Instead, it really stands on its own. Whereas here, we're going to end up comparing this game to a thousand other JRPGs, or there's not going to be a thousand JRPGs in the next ten yeah. years, to the ten other JRPGs that come out in the next ten years. Uh, but, you know, the 50 other JRPGs that come out in the next ten years that take this style of combat as the default in the same way that third-person cover shooters became i know i'm saying mass effect 2 when in fact you could look at a billion other gears and blah 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 blah, blah. i know that but mass, mass effect 2 was like an inflection point for a wider space for a wider space and i think that this is that for a type of combat that we've seen bits of in kingdom hearts i believe some of this stuff you'd see in something like the tales games i'm not a big tales person but like there are other games that have elements of this stuff there already uh, i know certainly the nino nino kuni 2 has elements of what this is um and so I, I i wonder if in giving me something i love today they aren't marking this game for feeling dated in a decade or not even dated but 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 l- having less character if that makes sense um i i guess my reason i don't think that's true is because it's so intricate and fiddly like no one but square is going to make a game yeah. like this yeah uh, yeah like it, it 
because it's so puzzle based the reason this combat system works is the amount of different enemy types and bosses in the game you need to spend a lot of time making a lot of enemies to fight and a lot of characters to control in interesting you're ways right. you're right it is very labor intensive and i feel like jrpgs have gravitated more to repeatable uh like interesting systems that work on like a smaller loop because jrpgs ain't that big yeah. only square is gonna dump this much money into making this yeah. um which is the character you're most curious about seeing what they do oh um hmm. or who's That's the least good... uh, i mean so my party in the original was always um red 13 tifa cloud okay um, i'm very curious how they'll do red 13 because even he, like he does so he's around the party and he does his attacks but he doesn't look the same and he doesn't like control properly he's he's a dog so his animations are weird and they haven't figured out how to make a dog in this art style i think he's a lion fighting. i'm a lion breed on i we're gonna have hmm. to draw a line between okay. us here <laughs> okay i've always said dog but i've always said cat it's fine it's fine we can disagree on this one <laughs> I'll let it happen. Okay, it's fine. So, Final Fantasy Wiki is a red lion or wolf-like beast. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. The longest thread in the history of forums. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. The debate rages to this day. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I, I love I love Red Thirteen a lot, and uh, I like his voice a lot in this. Also, I think I think it's they're 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 going to do it. They're going to do the thing that happened to me when I was twelve and played this game originally, which was who's this old man? Oh, he's not an old man at all. He's not an old man. Um, they really thread that needle well. Like he doesn't actually sound old, but no. you will think that if you've not played seven. Totally. Um, totally. Um. Uh, I'm really curious what they'll do with Kate Sith or I was just Kat the, She, I guess. Kat She, Kate she yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, uh, I think that's probably the one that's, that could be the most interesting or the most, I'm never going to use this character, except that's not the model anymore, right? If they if they do the same model f- design for yes. this as they do, or for the next game as they do for this, I'm going to have to play as Kate She at least a little bit uh, during sequences where they've decided that's who I'm playing as, you know? Um, and i hope they keep that up because i think that's how it stays interesting is by like no we'll take away your ability to control your party thus giving you way more interesting and specifically designed combat encounters and to some degree isn't this also what we're what we've kind of stumbled into here is part of why Aerith's death to begin with was so substantial yes was i've relied on this character i this is this is Aerith. i don't just love Aerith because she's Aerith. i love Aerith because she has the good limits right yeah because of her wards they're gonna take my wards away they're not going to. They're going to kill someone else. I'm so sure of it. I or do I, they not? Do they kill Aerith? I think Aerith has as to die. if to say, to show the threat that fate could still happen. That it doesn't matter that you've killed fate. Fate could still catch up with you. Or that, like, like it, having done that has not totally guaranteed them. Nothing is guaranteed, right? Nothing is safe. I think that brings us very nicely back to the ending stuff again. Yeah. Because I... I I think I think that Aerith will still die. I don't. I think that the next game is going to be realizing stuff isn't that different, and uh, that will be the big bummer ending. And I think they'll come to a new ending in the third game. Is right. my it's my broad guess. Because um, I, when you say like, oh, does Aerith not die? That's the big thing. That's the big change you make. But what what no, else do you do? There's, there's like, other stuff, right? Like, yeah. What else? Yeah. What else do you do? Is this is this something that you have a, a strong thought about i mean like, i think again part of this is like we don't know what wutai looks like we don't know what the rest of the world looks like if it will be rendered in the same d- degree of detail or density um if it will feel like there are other nation states where there can be like big map changing things um mm-hmm. uh, and i guess the other thing here is like we don't know uh, 
we don't know what the where the camera is going to follow in terms of core antagonistic groups in in the sequel. Like, are we going to just stick with Shinra, or do we end up developing all new? St- like, I don't know. I don't know what this all looks like next. Does like, Mithya ever even get summoned in this game? Like, what? Right. Like, right. There's so many questions that. Like the second game could be like the third game could just have nothing to do with um with seven at that point, which would be interesting. But yeah, but so I've spent a lot of time asking myself that question: is you make a Final Fantasy seven rebuild? This is the thing they're going to do. What what changes do you make that are like meaningful and interesting? And in this thought exercise, I come up with nothing every time. I just don't know what I would change. And I think they they're going to do stuff. They've like made the promise in this game that they are doing stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Here's 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 maybe a thought is. Is there a world in which what you do is you fill the next game with small changes uh, throughout the situation, throughout the throughout the game, setting up the idea that they've freed themselves from from history uh, or from fate or whatever, and as such, um, the there's yeah, I- the big twisted like so. For instance, what if Dine lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? stuff like that. Stuff like that. Like the tiny things about character stories. What if stuff like Vincent's story ends up shaking out differently? Um, like that stuff to me ends up being the place where they give you the changes and then they anchor it back to Final Fantasy VII when Meteor still gets summoned, you know, or I, or Aerith. I still think gets... the yeah, I think it's Aerith getting di- getting owned at the end of the next game yeah. is what's going to be the like. Oh no, we didn't change anything. Moment. Do we but, really think it's do we really think it's the end of the next game and not two games from now somehow? You know, so you were DMing me before this game came out saying uh-huh. like, oh, they can make like 10 of these games. And I was like, no, nah, you're out of your mind, whatever. No, just make three. They can't do that. And then I got to the bit where they turned the train, like the sequence from the trains <laughs> to get to Reactor 5 into two separate chapters and dungeons. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, they could just make these forever. <laughs> they could make these forever. <laughs> they could never stop. This is the MCU. What if they never had to make a Final Fantasy 16? They could make more money. Forever. Forever. We like these uh, characters. We're fucked. If they <laughs> want to do it, they can do it. They tried to do it once. They didn't do it right. This time they're going to do it right by being blander. Like, I like this game a lot. No doubt. But I'm. But the thing about compilation is they were like, fuck it. Let's, okay, do it. Uh, you fuck it. Let's just try 30 different things. And none of them necessarily are good. But yeah, exactly. What if they just keep making. Back? God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I, yeah, hope I also so. came to that point where I was like, oh, you know, you're right. They could make all these forever. I don't think they will, but the option is there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I legitimately don't know how they take this. I, and then I have to remember that the change they have made is about, like, Zack, which raises <sighs> infinitely more questions in very different directions okay. than I would look when I think about Seven. So, like, what does that mean about this Cloud? How does Cloud remember Zack? Doesn't Cloud think he's kind of Zack? Those memories are blurred. He's about to give an explanation in the next scene where Zack doesn't exist. Right. What? Where Zack should be there, but he's Don Drapered himself in. Right? Right. Um, I Actually, okay, pause. Can we talk about Zack really? I know we've already gone for like a long time and we still have to get to questions. Like, <laughs> yeah. who's oh, surprised God. that this happened? Um, this never happens on this podcast. Thank I, you, though. <laughs> uh-huh. So, five-star run times. What's good? Five-star run times. Uh, Z- Z- Zack. Zack Zach. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, is okay. Let me. It has been. I've not gotten to this part in my rewatch of the Let's Play, and I've not played Crisis Core, and I've not played any of the other stuff that Zach comes up in. So let me just give you my memory of this. So again, we're all okay. we're spoilers for Final Fantasy VII here. 
real Final Fantasy VII here, original Final Fantasy VII here. Zack is soldier first class. Yes. Is um, friends with Cloud. Cloud yes. is not a soldier. Cloud is flunked out of soldier, basically. Yes. Right? He's like a Shinra god. Guard. He did go through the soldier program, but he didn't pass it. He didn't, didn't make it. It yeah, didn't, it didn't, yes. it didn't like, click well enough or whatever, right? Um, yes. And he and Zack and Sephiroth, do, do they only do that one mission together as a unit? Or do um, they do a number of missions together as a unit? Uh, so in in seven they just it's implied they've just met uh, nibelheim is the Call, first time they, that the yes. three of them have met or that the th- well no uh, zach knows sephiroth because they're both in soldier right and but, zach knows cloud previously yes. yes okay yes but in so in crisis Core, zach knows both cloud and sephiroth and has for a while but in the original game it is implied that like cloud's just a security guard no one really cares about him they're just chatting right. bullshit on the mission right right they go to nibelheim Yes. I'm now, this is like straight from memory and like reading Wikipedia stuff, you know, three months ago. So I have not mm-hmm. gone back and re- re-upped on. Things go bad at Nibelheim. <laughs> very. Very bad at Nibelheim. This is Cloud. Cloud tosses Sephiroth off into the abyss, right? Yep. Into the life stream. Into the life stream, which eradicates him, but also returns him to the planet and also then blah, 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 blah. Uh, he basically is like into the live stream and ends up in the northern cave where he is for the whole game like the Sephiroth right. you see in disc one is not it's like all the the reunion clones right and yes, the Genova yes. why whenever Which you in see this Sephiroth, game are the guys yes. with the stamp with the I mean this is also in the original but they're all over Midgar in this yes. they're the people who have cloaks on and then have like the number tattoos on their on their arms um, yes uh, the at that point Zach and Cloud are captured by Shinra? <laughs> okay. So what the happens Nibelheim's... between Nibelheim and then they stay are in the desert? You know what I mean? That's the bit that I forget what is happening. On, they're on the run. What happens between Nibelheim and they're on the run? So the Sephiroth stuff happens. It's a big fight. Uh, Sephiroth betrays everyone because he's found out his true origins, uh, learned he's like a clone of Genova and uh, goes to see Genova. Zack and Cloud try to stop him. They both get worked. Uh, Hojo comes in and it's like, instead of healing these guys, now they know everything, I'm taking them back to be experiments. They are put okay. underground in Shinra Manor uh, in Nibelheim and they are left like in Marco tanks for five years. Oh, and okay. Then, and then they run away and then they, they they escape from that um when stuff happens i forget the exact thing but they escape and shimmer chases them down and zach is killed but cloud survives and heads back to midgar like completely out of his mind traumatized not knowing what's going on and when he gets back and uh tifa uh meets him who was also in nibelheim and does remember zach okay so she knows zach when she sees him <laughs> um right. raises even more questions uh right and and then he'd like just kind of assumes Zack's identities and wants because he's traumatized so here's, and that's right. the identity so, so he actually, matches onto. Yeah, so this is actually one of the things that I think actually, um, before the game came out, I had gone back and done some reading on this part of it. And when I was a kid, I'd always read this as semi, if not supernatural, then super scientific, or yes. that, it was, that it was something happened and 
Cloud's memories were replaced, actively replaced by Zack's memories, or Cloud's memories of Zack. Also, some elements of stuff with Sephiroth and blah, 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 right? Like, just like a, a, a melange of life that wasn't his. But having gone back and watched some of those scenes recently, there are some lines in there in which it makes it seem as if Cloud is more active in that lie than I thought when I was a kid, in which he so- says, like... I'm not going to lie to anyone anymore. Or I'm not going to lie to myself anymore. And obviously there's like a degree to which I think that the, re- the second that you bring up that type of agency uh, with mm-hmm. a question of mental health and dissociation and like all that stuff, it changes what the conversation is around what happened. This game feels much more like there's an active blockage and Cloud couldn't, doesn't know or won't let himself know, Right. I th- well, I read it the other way because, like, so that's what I thought the whole time, mm. and that's how that like lines up with my read on seven. Uh, is that it is due to like the Mako infusion and the trauma and the escape and everything, but it's like it's kind of an active lie and it's kind of just like tr- like the the two things blurred is like deliberately yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. How much is he lying to himself? I don't think it's like he's full. Like Don Draper remembers exactly who he is. Uh, I don't think it's like exactly that situation, um, and that's what I thought in the original game and all of the way this game but then when this game ends he not only remembers zach but like it's like that's the thing i'm thinking about all the time that's the thing i'm gonna fix which suggests right. an entirely different like he would have to to make the decision he makes at the end of this game to save zach yes. he would have to remember zach and remember that moment where zach died and exactly how it went down because if you ask me, I would say that at that moment, Cloud does not 100%, like, he may have, like, subconscious ideas, but doesn't know that there is a Zack, because he's internalized it so much. Um, so I will say that when that happened, I didn't even read that as Cloud making that decision. Oh! I read that uh, as... Okay. I read that as... N- that, like, this you have seven mm. seconds thing could totally be the thing you're saying. I think it actually, I can so easily now imagine the next game having the sequence that says, like, how did you spend your seven seconds? And it's like, well, I spent one second by pulling Biggs out of this. And I spent two seconds moving Zach out of the way over here. And I spent, you know, two seconds, da-da-da-da-da. Again, very Marvel movie. Very, like... Yes. That, or in this case, I'm thinking of the Quicksilver stuff from one of the X-Men movies, right? Which Two of them. Bit, they did it twice. Did they why, do it twice? Why do it once? Oh yeah. God. When it's good, just do it again. Just do the same thing. Um, uh, and um, uh, so that's what I'm thinking there. Uh, but when I when it happened, it felt more to me like they didn't know what they had touched. That they had broken mm-hmm. fate open for for possibility. Possibility bloomed. And how might that how might that have bloomed? In what ways might that have changed the world? Here is a quick look at one way in which it could have changed the world. Our world, another world, who could say? Who can uh, say? And the two things that Cloud changed or that, that they changed by, by cutting fate in, in Twain was Zach lives and the dog is different. <laughs> um, I don't know why those two things <laughs> would be different, but that is it. And I don't know. So I didn't. I didn't assign it that same degree of intentionality on Cloud mm-hmm. that you did. But I totally That's see fair. what you're saying. I do see what you're saying there. That does. There is a world in which that is what's happened, right? Um, and if if that's the case, I get why people would would mark out over that moment. Uh, that that you know, Zach slash Cloud fans. Uh, I don't know what the ship name is. I'm sorry. The idea that like the one thing that Cloud goes back and changes is he Zach. keeps Zach alive. Yeah. Okay. That that kind of hits. I'm I'm with you. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, it's very vague, and it's um, 
that vagueness I don't mind as much for me so much Mm -hmm. as I mind for if I was playing this for the first time and didn't know any of these characters I'd be like who the (laughs) fuck is that there's um, an amazing like uh, IGN video that's Final Fantasy VII ending explained the first thing. One, who's the soldier with the black hair? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I guess if you've not played Seven, you'd be like, what is happening? I think uh, just to go back, this isn't an important thing like theme wise, but it is very funny. One of the best like moments in the game, uh, unintentionally, is when the plate drops. Uh, you heard it here first. Jackson loves it when the plate drops. <laughs> Well, the plate drops. I love it. Uh, there's a cutaway to uh, Kachi standing on the plate, like doing a yes. Planet of the Apes no, to which, if you've never played the game, just in the middle of the most tragic scene, there's suddenly a little cat going, no! <laughs> I, got a, I, got a, I absolutely got a DM from a friend who says, was I supposed to know why there was a cat with a crown walking around? Did I miss something? <laughs> no. No, you didn't. That's just, that's, uh, uh, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah, it's uh, Final Fantasy. the The one thing I did find very funny about the ending, and um, well, funny is wrong, but interesting is that Final Fantasy VII is not a game about fighting fate. Like, right? I guess you, you could you could make that argument. Yeah, you know, but, but it's only like a so game far about, as like JRPGs are generally. Yes. Right, like it's a reckoning about how does humankind deserve to exist? Have we destroyed the planet already? Uh, right, you could say I, that's fate. The case that you make is the case you could make is the cover art is me- or not the cover art, but the 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 art piece for it is meteor falling. Can you stop meteor from falling? Is like is is a thematic thrust and is uh is is an analogy is a, is a metaphor for yes for history and fate. We know about asteroids dropping. We know what it is. <laughs> But in Final Fantasy XIII, the basic premise of that game, about to remind everyone about the Pulse Foul Seeds, uh-huh. uh, is that the, the party gets, like, marked by God. And if they... Or, uh, marked by a Falsy or, or a Lassi, I don't remember the specifics. But gets marked by one of these gods. Uh, and if you don't do what this, like, this mark... Like, the mark gives you a focus. If you don't complete your focus, you turn into a crystal. But you don't know what the focus is. The message Wait. you get from these Wait, gods... Yes. One more time. God gives you a job and says, okay, when you say when you say that you get a mark, is that like you have to grow up to become a postal no, delivery you get a tattoo. worker? <laughs> no, no, I know, but what's the tattoo say? Does the to- is the tattoo like It's a weird symbol. Okay, what's it mean? Nothing. This, what do you mean? What do you mean what do you mean you don't know what it means? I mean, you like so the gods are dangerous because they Because if people. I got a tattoo from God that was like a Coca-Cola logo, I mean I guess I gotta go apply to a job. They're all kind of the same thing. They know what they are. And when you get marked, you become an enemy of the state because you have been given like this divine purpose that could undermine the structures. And oh. if you don't complete don't complete your purpose, you get turned into a crystal. This By is all God? Like, the first first part of a natural process of being marked. You just turn into a crystal if you yeah, don't fulfill task, your purpose. Yes. Which is to undermine what- the state. Possibly, who knows? There's, okay, who can understand God's will? But like, also the state in the, the are you caught related? up on partisan? By the way, <laughs> no, but okay. I need to be fuck. <laughs> but yes, don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> change I'll, some shit. I'll, it's fine. I'll, I'll DM you. I'll no, DM no one's going to turn into crystals. Just to be clear, but that's very <laughs> fucking wild. So and that this is all early game stuff. I'm not going to like, but that's the basic premise. Is you are given a task by God and then must fight to like the party have been tasked with something they don't know. And that is their fate and they will then fight it. And that is what the game's about. So Final Fantasy is a, so they make a big show at the end of this game of the uh, fate has been broken. We can now go up. 
it's already the plot of another Final Fantasy. Like it becomes Final Fantasy thirteen at the end. Yeah. Like a game. So it's weird how much the game leans on this ideas of the possibilities or anything when the thing they are doing is a thing the series has done before just without the idea that that like without a previous game to like have a layer of meta text to it right but these ideas of like fighting destiny have been well well right. and I done was almost, very well i was almost surprised that we didn't see it go all the way off the rails right that this is going to be the series where you learn that actually Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 10 and Final Fantasy 13 are all in the same world and that there's you know that lightning was going to show up in a flash forward or something you know did you did you get that feeling when he, they stood at like the edge of all creation and yes. then they were going to Bioshock Infinite all the Final Fantasies yeah I was like oh is this, is this what's about to happen like are we going to see is is Terra going to show up is is there going to be is uh you know yeah you know what I'm saying yes 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 yes, yes. Uh, me the blanking the, on the names of other major Final <laughs> Fantasy characters because this part of my brain Zidane. has been Zidane, yeah, sure. Uh, I was going earlier. Uh, what's what's the Dark Knight who becomes a oh uh, Cecil? Cecil, Cecil, Cecil shows up. Yes. God, yeah. if Cecil showed up in this game, yeah, I'm right? Out. I don't. This is the thing is like you know what? You know what? Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. Um, and and I, I will say, and this is like the final thing I think I have to say before we we answer questions. Yeah, I don't think millions I have any of questions. Um, yeah. Is one of the things that this game helped do for me was to save my sense of, like, in just general enjoyment with the genre space that this is in. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And make me okay with it not being, like, you just did that episode on Disco Elysium, right? Yes. And, like, a through line here, and this is really M's through line in the biggest possible way, um, but was, like, go read a book. <laughs> um, yes. I could go read a book. Um, and there is something, this is something I think about a lot, obviously, like I do a lot of creative work and do a lot of creative writing. Um, uh, and in both cases, um, I have to think about my own work in relation to other stuff and what it's good at and what it's not good at. Um, when I make friends at the table, when I write a comic book about wrestlers, um, I need to admit to myself that I'm not competing with the literature I like to read. Yes. Um, I have to be competing with something else or I have to be, I'm playing in a different space because I cannot convey through actual play or through a comic about the new day, the same ideas I could convey in an essay or in a, a, a novel. Um, there is such a looseness of, of, of or such a, such a, an openness of the, of the novel form where you can <laughs> just do the sort of work that's necessary to dig deep in certain ways, uh, both in terms of characterization and thematic exploration, and even even in terms of uh, atmosphere and setting and place. Um, and so one of the things that this did was it shook me out of not being able to enjoy this particular medium and genre uh, of, of content, which I think for the last five years, 10 years, has been really hard for me to enjoy. Um, because it didn't feel, it's not, I don't want to say facile necessarily. Um, it's insular. It, it, it's, it's insular. And it, well, I, what I think it is, is that when you swing big around questions of f- fate or identity or, you know, revolution, there's a certain demand. I make a certain demand when I come to that to, mm-hmm. to have, I have certain expectations that I want to be met when you've opened that door. Um, and it's hard to meet those expectations um, with, with 
like huge amounts of text because the huge amounts of text that are going to show up in your game are probably not going to be up to snuff when also the game is the one where you get turned into a crystal if you don't do what God says. But what this game did so well for me and what helped me focus and understand what my own work does and the type of work I do is that it has the sequence where Barrett says, hold on to this anger. It has Mm -hmm. sequences where, um, where it's, it's trying to do something in, in uh in a filmic sense in in not in the sense that it's using filmic language but that it's using the pacing and um the the kind of units of storytelling that are sized for for uh cinematic storytelling uh dialogue quick dialogue lines that are nevertheless deeply um uh dense with meaning um moving in the in the sort of like scale of poetry instead of moving in the scale of of uh, literary fiction um, and the ways in which that can then be supported by both the scaffolding of spec of spectacle of, of like high energy um, melodramatic anime you know shown in spectacle and also with with interesting gameplay design and encounters that can help underscore and pin in the feeling that you know these people and the degree of investment that you have with them so that when Barrett says hold on to this anger I know what he means because I hold on like that's how he plays he plays like a motherfucker who says hold on to this anger he doesn't play loose and all over the place when Aerith is suddenly the like core of the party and has the like hey this is actually unified everyone around her and and she's the one who can like really anchor everyone the fact that she puts wards down on the ground helps emphasize that such that when she delivers what is kind of a boilerplate line you know towards the end of the game about about whether or not it's worth the risk to try to like change fate it hits because she's the one who puts, she's been putting these fucking wards down you know yes. um and that all like comes together for me so well and i think that that is that is my like hey wow wow they did it the fact that they get me to say that about a final fantasy game in 2020 is pretty remarkable Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm I'm there with you because like I love JRPGs. I'll play them all day. I I they are like a junk food for me, but I I like them. I'm honest with myself. I like the JRPGs, uh, but they can often feel like you know I've. I make my party, I make the numbers happen, and then there's another, there's a nice story usually about should we turn everyone into one soul or not in the background. Like, it can it can often feel like that. Uh, but I I I definitely agree that the like defining of every character in this game is, uh. like incredible by the genre standards i think it's like the best achievement in the game uh yeah definitely okay well uh let's take a short break and then we'll be back with questions now it's time for questions we got loads of emails uh i will not be answering all of them i apologize uh, we just don't normally get this amount of emails at a normal mapping normally we email them all but we put out a call about a new game um, um so uh, yeah yeah so a uh, first question is uh from from heather uh who asks be curious to know the specific bosses where you think the combat system didn't work to accommodate the players uh like the experience that the final fantasy 7 wanted one example you hear from players is the hellhouse fights because uh, nobody recognizes like what the windows mean huh um, huh i got that that fight still was really hard even though i knew what the windows yes 
Um, uh, for me, I'd mention Elagor, where the wheel, wheel's initial immunity to weapons makes it a pain in the ass to use melee attacks uh, while you have two characters that are melee-focused. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? And um, I agree. I do think that it made me really rely on Assess, because Assess will just put it for you in yellow text. Yes. Yeah, I used Assess the entire game, 100%. Um, the other thing, uh, the, the, the actual earliest fights that, that were tough for me were the Airbuster, um, which partially yes. was about lack of maneuverability. Also because I, I did the thing that was like, no stun attacks, please. Um, because with that fight, as you go through the dungeon, you can kind of deactivate parts of it or lower the, the predict the chance that it'll do something. And I totally turned off what I suspected would be like the Zeong like laser hands um but it still stunned me with other things in that fight so uh that ended up being really hard um and the other one is one of the first uh side quests that you can do i think it's with Aerith in the party so after you you fall down to the church and all that there is a side quest with these like the mono types or whatever they're called the like little blue um like it's like an orb with like tentacles that kind of moves around like flies around and and they have the thing where like you have to do they they basically cast uh well it's like the thing is that they don't cast protect or shell they they cast or barrier or or whatever it is they just become immune to physical attacks until you i think the, the, the assess description says like until you riddle them with magic or something like that um and for some reason like i just couldn't get it to work and they like beat the shit out of me um, yeah, those are really annoying enemies. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of other bosses that were really difficult, that felt like they, they asked more of me than I was able to deliver. Um, the, what is the chainsaw fish flowing, floating thing and oh, Kojo's? Oh, that boss fight. Yeah, that boss fight's still like the steel shark the, or something. Yeah, the, and specifically the Aerith Tifa half of it that is in the, like, the circular centerpiece. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, it's uh, for me. It was about maneuverability. It's places where I didn't feel like I could I could fully maneuver my my people around because since you can't control each individual character, it really means needing to be able to jump into somebody's body and then like move them where you need them to be and to, you know, deliver the the attacks briefly and then switch back over to your melee person or whatever. And not being able to do that with the airbuster and then not being able to do that well with that big circular uh, kind of center center area for the the what, street shark fight uh means i just couldn't do it yeah i, I ended up like kind of liking that fight second time but i definitely had that because i died first time when it just okay. switched me to Aerith and tifa and i was like well neither of my main damage dealers are here <sighs> so whoops uh, um, yeah and the it becomes clear that like the small area uh of maneuverability is like the point the gimmick yes. of the fight yes. because you can't like you have two casters and you line of sight is really hard when it goes round in a circle around a big pillar um but the part where it becomes difficult is one of the main attacks is that it does like a spiral yeah. round the arena and to avoid it you have to like start inside then on the next pass be outside you cannot make both characters do that at once right. um even though i like got down the rhythm with one character the other one would always get hit always had to make sure i had barrier on um and you can't like move a character in perhaps like there's no like stay in place order yeah um yeah which would like help a lot but then you're adding so much more micromanagement then you literally to are making already mass effect too right then you're literally yes. doing look at a place and hit l2 and that's not what i want from this game no 
Yes, uh, and well, the, the second part of the question was: uh, is, Can you name a moment where there's too much happening? And uh, Heather named Airbuster, so yes, we're all <laughs> all aligned. Yeah, Airbuster for sure. Um, I think that's it, though. I, I I liked being pushed as far as possible as I could there. Um, yes. Obviously, I think there's a lot of difficulty discourse right now. I'm very much of the mind that I wish there was another difficulty in between um, normal and easy. Um, but mm. also, I really liked playing this game all the way through a normal. Um, uh, so it didn't affect me necessarily, but, but I, I, I really loved that feeling of like, there's almost too much going on right now. Um, if anything, I wish that more of the fights had that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it being a game about pushing you and like making sure you use your character, because this could be a game with all of these features. And there are many JRPGs like this, where they have these like incredible features, but you're never pushed to use them. You just use attack and you win because you've leveled up. Yeah. Um, and this game never becomes that. They've like worked really hard to have that not happen. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was very cool. Uh, we got another question here from from Grace. Uh, first of all, asked about the meta narrative elements and uh, how is it interested in the game's legacy? Does it rework stuff with the game's legacy in mind? Grace hasn't finished. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is extremely yes. Uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I think it definitely does. Um, I think so, right? Like, I think, I, I, but like, because there's a does it and then does it, right? Like, because it does, it textually 100% does, but does it, you know? But does it? Here, so here's the question that I think about when I look at that. Uh, is it the coward's move to, in the bits where it's flashing them the visions, to only use the like advent children cg i was waiting for them to pop up a picture of final fantasy 7 yeah, they should have showed final fantasy 7 they should have just shown the sephiroth comes down from well again they couldn't do that but they couldn't show sephiroth hurting the party if they were gonna then do what sephiroth wanted right yeah, but like at the end of the like i think the way i would have liked to see that yeah. just rewriting the game is at the end and cloud flies in to the the bit sephiroth should have been shirtless like he is at the end of the game yeah. And it should have flashed in the models like it was MGS4. Like it's MGS4. Like it's MGS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Because MGS4 knows. Yeah. You've got to do it. Yeah. You've got to show those PlayStation models. You've got to show the PlayStation models. That would have been very cool. That would have been very good. Zach, the, the shot of Zach dead outside of Midgar. It's <laughs> the polygon <laughs> flat with the pre-rendered oh. background in the distance. I would have loved it. I would have loved them to to oh. like lay into that stuff more because there's no, there's nothing. There's no like, here's what Final Fantasy VII no. used to look like. No, no. Um, um, even if it is like, yeah. You know what? You know what? Really? You know what? I really miss is what the bike mini game used to look like. I went back and watched footage yes. of the bike stuff. So cool. It looks so cool on the PS1. It just looks sick, and this stuff goes on so long, and it's fine, but it's not. It's not as cool. I, initially i was like oh man they've just done the same minigame you just hit left yeah. and right it's on a rail and it was cool but it, they there's now two boss fights inside that minigame yeah. yeah um uh and grace also asks about the environment specifically uh the environment seems strangely confined the camera's close uh and the environments don't feel as like expansive and expressive as the original game did any environment stand out to you and why huh. uh the original environments do a great job of communicating Midgar's class relationships without saying much. Uh, how do you think this reworking does? I think it's possible, but th th like I'm, I'm an old head purist in many ways. I think the original game is like fantastic aesthetic wise. They didn't even they just didn't even go for it. They didn't aim for that. No, they went for a different thing. Well, so I, it's interesting that Grace says that the original felt more. What can you read me again? More open um, or more the environments here seem strangely confined. See, I actually feel uh, the opposite. I feel like there's so much more space 
And I don't even mean, I don't mean because you can, I don't mean because it's a third person open world RPG. I mean, like, there's more headspace. The camera is, is, instead of looking, so where the camera is in the original suggests a ceiling for Midgar or for the slums, right? Which is, you know, again, I guess in the game, I looked it up, by the way, Jesse in the original does say it's 50 meters. That is where that quote comes from. That could be wrong. It could be a bad translation. I don't know. But she, she does say that the that the plate is 50 meters above their heads. Um, and the camera, being where it is, suggests a sort of, like, limit inside of Midgar to where where it is. Whereas here, you can look up. There's so much space. It just goes and goes and goes. It's like you could build a high rise below the plate in, in yes. this. Um, you could see the sky. We've talked about this. In general... I think that it ends up feeling much more open to the degree that I think it actually mutes certain things like going to Aerith's house for the first time. It's still very pretty, but it's a much more natural um, aggression from where the orphanage is, which is also a very pretty little area into um, where Aerith's house is. And I think I want to I get this in two different ways. The first is, and I think both of these ways are, are to its credit. Um, one of them maybe is neutral. There are different ways to render poverty. There are different ways to render oppression. I think the previous mm-hmm. version was about um, uh, a certain degree of density and closeness uh, and darkness. Um, and there, that is one model in which uh, capitalism has put the the people together uh, in in the the most stratified ways. It's like, look, everyone is packed like sardines in in these buildings. There's no room to breathe. Everything is dark. Everything is musty. Um, everything is damp in the worst way. Um, but that's not the only way. And I think that if you look at something like poverty in Los Angeles, where it's sprawling and bright mm-hmm. and sun baked, you get a different set. It's still poverty, right? Um, when you look at like homeless camps in in North America, some of them are very dense because they have to be. In other places, they go on for miles, and it's that they do that, and yet there is no uh, there is no no change to the system that made that happen to begin with that makes them a really powerful reflection of the the situation right that that los angeles has um camps of people who are homeless who are transient who are you know who are desperate for work for money for food for stability and that's in the middle of los angeles uh and it's again sun swept is just like bright beating down it you know 20 minutes away from the Hollywood stars, 20 minutes away from where E3 takes place, um, from where the Lakers play, uh, less than 20 minutes away from the Lakers. It's like 10 minutes away from where the Lakers play. You can go into a, an area of Los Angeles that is just homeless folks for a huge, huge area. This feels so much more like that style um, of, of poverty to me. Um, and that actually kind of worked for me. The, the, part, the second part of this that I, I want to I hit is this gave me something that the original never did, um, which is it didn't feel, even in the middle of disaster, feel like disaster tourism. Um, I think a lot about the way watchdogs um, uh, uh, fictionalized the uh, Cabrini Green projects of Chicago um, in this way that's very OG Midgar, super dense, uh, dirty, threatening dark um this is a place where bad things happen to you if you look the wrong way um yes there are real people there but like you can't imagine them living their lives down there i can Mm. imagine what life in this midgar looks like 
Um, yes. It's filled with bright people. It's filled with people making the best of it. It's filled, and I'm not saying there's no one like that in the original game, but part of the reason why Aerith's house ends up feeling like a relief in Final Fantasy VII is because it's so firmly contrasted to the rest. And because you don't do that, it, it still is contrasted here because of the, the plant life and because of the water and stuff. But again, the orphanage is like a place of hope and brightness and people who are helping each other out. Um, and I think that that ends up working to its benefit in making these communities feel like communities in a real way. Yes. Um, All three of the slums feel very distinct. Like this is yes. the like, community ethos here. Yeah. And here's how they like get by. And that wasn't really present in the original. No, no, totally, um, totally. Um, I still don't know that Wall Market works for me. Um, I did. Oh, yeah, we didn't even touch. We on didn't that even stuff. touch on Wall Market. I don't know. Do you have any? Do you want to hit Wall Market real quick? I talked already a lot about it on Waypoint stuff, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts. Um, I thought so. I was preparing for like all the Discord stuff, obviously, um, and ended up finding it very funny that my main takeaway is that it's just very bad for Cloud's character. Like the way he yeah. gets in the original game, it the the whole thing is like a transphobic joke, but. It is a intimate sequence between him and Aerith, and Aerith is having him try on dresses. That is them bonding. That is not the same as winning a breakdance contest. Oh. You get transformed into the best dress in the world by one of the like heroes of the slums. It just completely like doesn't work tonally for the uh, for the character development at the time. Um, and then the like pat on the back. Uh, feels very unearned when they still go on to do the like haha look at how the awful fat Don Corneo almost slept with a man oh like it's God. haha uh, yeah so, it's rough yes. it's rough it's I rough. I am so like I'm I'm excited for people who have skin in the game in a, in a way more than me to to <laughs> tackle this stuff um, because because there are ways in which there are ways in which progress and improvement is also is also fenced in um i think about a lot of the the queerness in wall market and the ways in which it's transactional and it's for straight cis the imagined straight cis player who now is happy to have you know trans folks and gay folks in their lives so long as and gender non-conforming folks you know like in general queerness is allowed in your life if you're straight and cis if it if it does something for you what's this do for me um, right. and that is gross. Um, it's a different type of gross than it's, you're not allowed here at all. Um, and that tough is tough. It's tough. I don't know. I, I, again, it's not, it's not my lane, despite being a bi black man. Uh, I think specifically the stuff around cross-dressing isn't my lane and I know that. And so I want to stay in my fucking lane. Um, but I'm, I'm, and, and also I think like there's just a variety of takes here and, and takes that are grounded in an honest reaction, some of which feel liberatory and some of which feel like it's just a different you're just being made the butt of a different joke now and i've already seen that that stuff in the discourse i just haven't seen anyone tackle it in a longer form piece quite yet i think the big thing for me uh rather than the like specifics of the game itself is it just pointed out the changing dynamics of how like representation is very obviously a bullet point you can put on your box they put that thing in there that is like oh you can be who you want to be and they know that that is like a good selling point that will get shared that is good and in so doing it changes the like it doesn't feel like it's for me it's for them to put on an appearance of being for me in a way that i didn't feel about final fantasy 10 2 which is not like a textually queer game but is much Mm. the same in it as like a campy dress-up game that you know everyone on gay games twitter loves we all love that game it's great (laughs) um but it didn't feel as like you know the the relationship between how representation is presented in products is so different now yeah and i don't have like a long form take about that it did just make me think about that i guess yeah it really Um, really did for me too and and just in general the ways in which 
I think you're totally right, nail on the head, that the in the original sequence, it, it, the stuff that's happening is about Cloud and – or not the stuff that's happening is only about Cloud and Aerith, but one of the through lines is Cloud and Aerith you know, going through this process together. Whereas here, the process that they go through together is fighting in the Colosseum. Um, yes. Uh, the process that they go through together is interacting with Lady M and with – Sam, the Chocobo Man, and 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 other people are the guide is are like the guides to whatever's happening. Oh, and the other half of this, that the part of this that I'm still trying to completely unpack is Cloud goes through all the stuff in the Honey Bee Inn, does the dance number. He's great at dancing. I like that mini game a lot, even if I don't necessarily know believe in my heart that Cloud had it in him to instantly. Yes, uh, uh, you know, a new type is someone who understands. <laughs> something as soon as they see it uh and that's what happened cloud understood uh what what the dance number was um i like that mini game a lot but but uh, what i don't understand is whether or not it changed cloud in any meaningful way um i think you can do the reading and i've seen the reading get done again in a in a sort of casual twitter way of like look cloud is in the dress you know, no one told Cloud that he had to walk this way when he was wearing the dress, right? I've seen that case be laid out. But what but what the text wants to, to happen here is for um uh, uh what is the name of the the person who runs the honeybee in? It's a it's an A name. And uh, Andrea. Andrea. Andrea, right. Uh, uh that Andrea is like pulled the scales from Cloud's eyes, opened up his mind to the to the wonder of possibility and and difference and you know, and drag and um but that doesn't happen textually. Cloud doesn't change after that sequence. He doesn't come out of it with a rejuvenated no. sense. Like he hasn't been queer eyed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what's that's what the coding is on the screen. That he gets pulled through by queerness through a an obstacle course in which he's supposed to become one with himself and understand elements of who he is without um, you know that he otherwise wouldn't have been able to address. But that isn't. I don't know that we see that, um, and if if we do, then I, I want to. I would love to see someone lay that case out because maybe I missed elements of that stuff. Uh, I completely be would believe that I did, but when I was looking for it, what I mostly saw was someone who was uncomfortable with himself going in and still uncomfortable after this sequence ends. You know, because yeah, there's the punchline right where you go back to the inn and someone's like, "Hey, can you give us a performance?" and he just goes, "No." Yeah, and then right. the the uh, conversation ends. It's not like a laughy, like, maybe later. You know what I mean? No, it's like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is less a consequence of um, the, like, political framing of this and, and more just because Cloud's got five hours of character development in the original game that are set. Mm -hmm. He has to, he just lightens up a bit. In the time, in the 40 hours that is the original game, he, like, is two different people on two different separate arcs. <laughs> like, right. And so there's just not the space for people to change when you're remaking a text in the way that if you put this in an original game, you probably would have it be more pivotal. Right. Totally. Um, I, you know what they could have done? They should have saved the high five for after the dance number. Yeah, or after the Colosseum or something. Well, so things, like, I, I had thought in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe it's after the Colosseum. But I don't like it after the Colosseum because in that point... I, it would have been fine there too. At that point, it's equal. It, getting out of the highway or getting through the Coliseum is both just like, look, okay. we fought well together. You know what I mean? Like, yes, um, yes that makes sense. I like the high five a lot, though, for what it's worth. It's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we've got loads of questions. Just going to skim through the lot. We've got a bunch about, like, uh, what did you, what do you think they're going to do about Aerith, which we covered? Yeah. A bunch about, like, they tying in all the compilation stuff. Um, and the answer is, eh. <laughs> Yeah. You will you will get like I know that guy moments. Mm -hmm. Like at one point, um Hojo says G types. Um, 
which is well, that's gacked. He's talking about gacked right there. Uh, because instead, please put right, gacked in this had, game. They had to change the part where his original plan was to crossbreed Aerith with a dog or a lion. I, that's still in this game. No, he's he's trying to. He says he wants to crossbreed her with a soldier, oh, okay, SLG okay. type soldier. Okay. And Red Thirteen oh, is just sitting all. next to the. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, he just yes. happens to be that's there all. this time. He's just a, just a human, just a modified human, Ugh. still still being a weirdo creep. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Um, and uh, well, uh, a couple questions from different people um, about whether the game, like how much the game felt like Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy and um my answer is i don't see much of a distinction i guess i don't think namura's like a like, he has made a lot of very similar things so it's easy to point to his voice but i don't think his tone is so wildly out there that it's right. like unique among square enix yeah um yeah agreed um and then one more question uh here from oh i, I copied it off a bit this is from john uh uh asked about some stuff that we already covered and asking uh how did barrett's fake death land with you which is the one thing we didn't talk about it was spoiled for me it was spoiled for me oh no uh and i well here's the funny thing is that was spoiled for me the fact that he came back was not spoiled for me oh shit so i had a very strange relationship with that sequence and i was like oh. where they go in the room president shinra is not in the room with the with the sword in his back so I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And then the Barrett gets this whole big sequence where he's, you know, chewing out the President Shinra and they're going back and forth and Shinra has the golden gun, which is very funny. And that's why I was like, oh fuck, it's about to happen. And then it happened. And then there's the whole boss fight. Or there's the, the Whisper Show up first. The Whisper Show up first. The Whisper like briefly touches him yeah. and I, I like twigged what they were going to do then, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. bring him back until, yeah. until after. Um. Which also really quick, I just want to shout out. We didn't talk about the music. I don't think we have time to talk about the music. But no. when when it fucking hits in the Genova fight, the Genova theme, no! yes, <laughs> yo. So that whole boss fight, I was like, mm, this just this orchestrated Genovas, whatever. And then it gets to the oh. final form, and Genova plays. You're like, yo, yo. video games, video games are good. <laughs> They're good. You heard about this Final Fantasy VII? Oh, it's fucking good. Oh, that was so 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 choice. Anyway, so yeah, when anyway. when 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 the whisper started coming out, I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, but I do, I totally played most of this game. Not most of it. I already played through half of it when I think it was in Walmart when I when someone sent me that spoiler. Um, uh, but it was one of those situations when where I was like, okay, I guess they're gonna like are they doing that instead of doing Aerith? Like instead of killing off Aerith, they're gonna kill off Barrett? That's wild. Um, and so that was that was yeah, 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 yeah. Um I definitely had a moment during that where like I envisioned what the game would have to be going forward and it would have to right. be like at that point, if they kill Barrett and don't want to make the worst thing ever, it has to be about Tifa and everyone realizing he was right about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only game yeah. you can make at that and point. And even then I would have been pissed. I would have been pissed. Yes. I would have been yes. so mad. Because yes. they already like, do Barrett so dirty in so many ways in this game. <sighs> like we already talked about all the moments that they do right by him, but he's also just a fool all the time. He's also just foolish. Yes. He's also just like for someone who has such a strong handle on the on the the necessity of revolutionary politics of, and the dynamics yes. of power, he's also someone who like doesn't understand the difference between you know I, like I was looking for an analogy, but like the difference between a ladder and a, and stairs, so to speak. Uh, I don't mean that literally because there are stairs in this game that are really good. <laughs> the stair sequence is great. Um, you did the stair sequence, right? 
Did anyone not? Hit, yeah, okay. Hit me up if you didn't do the Star I'm, I'm curious. I guess someone who hadn't played the game yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, um, but you know what I'm saying, right? There are times when, when, when he's just like completely off base, comes up with the worst ideas, wants to charge in and die in a, in a blaze of glory, but also understands the need of... Yeah, it's just... Ugh. Um, and also it, just constantly is just like using using black slang in a way that is and and the delivery of a black exploitation hero while not understanding necessarily the the ways in which that is tied up in a bunch of shit um yes uh using it as comedy and not necessarily f- for the reasons why it might connect to some to, to a particular history or certain audiences um ah yeah i don't know it's it's a real shame i just want to like so like uh barrett and wedge were like my two favorite characters in the game yeah and they're the most like yep. poorly treated by the game yep, totally um, the wedge stuff and it's fucking very... sucks so bad the degree to which oh, it's so bad the, the shit where like jesse slaps his ass after he's been shot in it do you remember that sequence yep. and it's like and then, ha, then there's ha, the bit where they like all stare at his ass like how oh, your ass is fine wedge yeah you, yep uh, and the camera like it knows that the joke here is that he's got a fat ass um yep. the joke constantly with him is that he is like he's like e- he's over eager uh and and that goes to everything including how much he wants to eat um he's just kind of bumbling he's like a good heart but you know he's like a, a good heart fatty and like, cool, thanks, glad, glad. And to much be here. like the Barrett stuff, it's like it sucks. I'm mad about it, but then in the moments yes. that both those characters are good, it's like this is a guy who cares about things yes. and wants to help people and isn't like a cool soldier guy. He's obviously relatable. And Barrett is like a dad who understands that you've yes. got to shoot the, the guys who are oppressing you. And so they are like innately the most sympathetic characters in the game but the game expects you to care so much more about cloud and sephiroth and think these people are like jokes even though it will also write them empathetically sometimes it's frustrating well i will say i will Um, say to that end part of the part of the thing that does work for me towards the very end is that like after you get the the flash of bigs in in bed waking up and marlene like watering the flower looking outside we do come back to barrett as dad barrett is like the heart of this of this team in a real way um and like yeah there's like everyone else is is sort of like already on team cloud at that point but ending on barrett basically being like if if this bastard wants to destroy the planet then then he's the enemy of of avalanche being like all right that means we're really gonna do it we're gonna fucking go for it it. yeah Yeah, it's good it's good it's yeah um but i I think that's it we went on for a a long time chaos energy pure podcasts uh we we like decided to do this 45 minutes before we started recording Uh we sure sometimes you gotta just talk into microphones true sometimes you gotta you gotta get it out there and better to do it now than to do it uh you know in a week if we had done this in like two weeks i'd have probably like crammed kingdom Hearts or something stupid and like (laughs) done Uh way too much prep work yeah freed myself from that freed myself from the chains of fate of playing (laughs) too many video games God. (laughs) Uh, but thank you so much for being on would you like to tell uh tell anyone about some some way you can find me me on twitter at austin underscore walker you can listen to the shows that i do waypoint radio and friends at the table uh on those by searching for those things uh waypoint radio (laughs) we did a big non-spoiler cast about final fantasy 7 remake yes two weeks ago or something like that if you want to hear more of me talking about much of the same thing i said here but worse seven days ago yeah exactly but like i hadn't played the game yet i hadn't finished the game yet rather um uh that there's that friends of the table is really good this season i'm really happy with it uh if people want to listen 
listen to um, me lead my friends or, or help my friends tell a story about revolution and uh, and violence and you know the state uh, and also giant robots. Um, well, I do like those. Things. You can you can you can listen to Partisan uh, now available on your pod catcher of choice, as they say. Uh, it's it's been fun. Yeah. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find M, who is the absent co-host, at em underscore being on Twitter. Uh, you can find all the podcasts we do. We do a lot of them at abnormalmapping.com, including Repertory Screenings, which is our movie podcast. Uh, we just watched Stalker, the 1979 movie. Ooh. It's incredible. Must shout out how good Stalker... Sometimes you watch a movie that people say is amazing, and it's just as good as people say. It's great. Um we uh, also do uh, a podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. If you support us for $1 a month, you can get the Great Gundam Project, where we watch a Gundam show, two episodes of Gundam every single week till the end of time. Um, and we're just about to start Gundam Wing in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think so coming out next excited. week should be our final G Gundam episode, and then we're about to start Gundam Wing. Speaking of things that were important to me when Final Fantasy VII was coming out, uh, this is all the same era for me. That is like 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing that Gundam Wing hit North America probably in, what, 98? 2000 and was it that 2000 late? i think was it 2001 was it 2000 that makes sense. And i think it was 2000 because gundam came out after gundam wing right what it, on in on tsunami oh yes yeah i was i was like you do the podcast <laughs> yes you're right 2000 2000 is right and my memory i know exactly when gundam came out on tsunami because i know they didn't show the last right. five episodes because okay. 9 11 happened exactly when i rose at texas oh my god is that true Yes. Oh my god. And then it was like Incredible. delayed for six months and then you finished the show. What a weird way to watch Gundam. No wonder UC didn't catch on. <laughs> if only we could change think- history. If only we could yeah. defeat the whispers of fate. <laughs> we need to stop 9-11 to save the Gundam <laughs> fandom. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. oh, This podcast is over. It's Thank done. you very much for joining me. Thank you for having Goodbye. me. Bye bye bye. You can uh, find us next time. We'll be covering Halo. Uh, Me and Em will be back at the end of the month with that. So, goodbye. (laughs) 